Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to Paul Cannon for the last episode. If you haven't heard it yet, it's available in the audio archives, available everywhere you get your podcasts, as well as youtube.com slash redshirtplayer. There you can also find the We Weren't Friends in High School 90s Movie Club with Chrissy DeGroote and Kelly Brook. And we are reviewing The Skulls with Joshua Jackson and Paul Walker. So go check that out. Like the Facebook page at WWFNHS and follow the IG at We Weren't Friends in High School. Trying to get through all this because I have a great interview this week with my guest, Lizzie Black. Lizzie is a twin with her brother, Andy, and the best we could figure out is that we were in pod 7B together back in middle school. I mentioned last episode, Lizzie was a crush, is a crush, and was a top six guest on my wish list because from afar, um, she went to you know this Ivy League school and was voted most athletic and had this reputation for being really smart, and I thought that was exactly the type of thing that I'd love to hear about on the show, and to be honest... Lizzie could have let me believe that throughout this episode if she wanted to, but she was really open about her insecurities and even what she looks at as you know, her failures in life. Um, it's a great talk, and if you haven't had a conversation with Lizzie over the last decade or two, you might be really surprised uh, to hear what's been going on with her and what she has to say. So here's my conversation with Lizzie Black. I just started recording. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, I am really nervous. Really? Yeah. Don't be nervous. Everyone, a lot of people are nervous. Yeah. Um, mostly too that like, I don't remember anything. I feel like we'll see. We'll see what I remember. Everyone says that too. Yeah. And well, then- okay. So I've listened to, I'm a huge fan. And I've listened to a bunch, but I haven't listened to all of them. Okay. And I felt like today I was like, I was listening to a couple and I was like, oh my God, I feel like I'm like cramming for a test. <laughs> so I, I listened in the very beginning and like have hit a bunch like throughout the time, but it's not my intention to go back and listen to every single one, but I think it's awesome. And I don't really know what happened that I like got off sidetracked but like every monday i'd be like oh cool there's another one the thing i think i the, i like remember about you was like first of all you're probably like up there as far as like on my crush list oh, i have yeah? to tell you yeah you're up there oh um and the other thing i remember but i never had classes with you right because you were oh. in all these like really smart classes yeah so like that's the but other i thing remember like, you from high school in what way though just being around, right? Just like a yeah, yeah, yeah. Like knowing who you are, and like um, you've referenced in some of like the earlier podcasts, like how you always had like a um, maybe not antagonistic, but like I I don't remember any specific situation, but I remember you sometimes having like words with people, but like not in like a bad way, and like like I like I've never had like. It was like, I think some of the times that you were describing, like, I like, I don't have a specific person to say, but like, like something just didn't sit well or something. And in like, whereas in high school, I would have like, 
I was so insecure. I would have just been like, okay. And like kept walking. You actually like stood up for yourself, which that I, that's what I remember. I remember you in place. Um, and like the TV world, you've talked about too, how you didn't think anyone knew you were half Jewish, but for some reason I knew that. Really? Okay. I don't know why. Maybe like a middle school report or something like that, that I did or. Yeah. I don't know. I think also too, at some point I had to go through my mind, like getting to college. I met people that had like never met a Jewish person before. And I was like, really? <laughs> like there's um, yeah. Which I was like, so talking, I like thinking about how I wouldn't say that my friend group was that diverse, but like compared to what other, I mean, I still like interacted with more people of a diverse background than um, other people that I experienced once I got to college. So just, like, it was like white preppy people. And so I was surprised at that. It, like, and so I think at that point I had to catalog. I was like, well, I, I definitely have gone to like bar and bat mitzvahs and we had to like think back like through like, who would I have known this from or something? So yeah, I don't know if that was it, but. I definitely wasn't bar mitzvah though. No, you weren't. Yeah. But like Corey Leshner was. Mm -hmm. Like I remember Ben Wanger. Yes. Oh yeah. Did he have one? Yeah. Because yeah. he's the one I remember where I thought like if I ever had an in to go to one. <laughs> that was going to be it? That was going to be the one. <laughs> um, I just me. remember, I think Andy too had like, there was, you'd always get like t-shirts or something or like there you know it was like a party but like there would be stations and stuff everywhere mm -hmm. so there was always like a, a t-shirt um like airbrush t-shirt station that they'd mm -hmm. like write your name on or something um i went to i went to elena's bat mitzvah <laughs> oh yeah maybe it was hers too yeah i'm trying something new here i'm making a little tea because it's been like a rainy day here in philadelphia so I'm making a little tea and I threw some like leftover fireball in it. Oh, that's actually sounds delicious. Like a, like a American hot toddy. Yeah. It's yeah. a lemon ginger tea. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, you just fireball. need like, like honey and just like drop a clove in or something, but I yeah. think the cinnamon's better. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see how this goes. I'm having, um, uh, it is only two o'clock my time, but I was like, I can't do this without, um, alcohol so <laughs> this is like the most california thing i have some wine but this is super california and i'm not even super california but it's um hard kombucha oh okay it's actually pretty delicious yeah, yeah. like fermented yeah i don't i'm not super into kombucha all the time but um they well, got you me. do <laughs> they got me at the store yeah so lizzie yeah when uh when did you actually did you start it was a hicken so first of all you're you're the second twin now to come on the show uh yeah. after Susie, uh yeah. you and your brother andy so i don't know part of this story i guess will will cheat some of his background but like yeah for sure <laughs> i did just tell him i texted him i was like i'm doing the high school podcast and he didn't know about it yet so i told him all about it so now he's like oh that's cool mm. nice. yeah when did you guys come to Wizahick and did you always start here? Yeah, we were like all the way through. My parents even grew up in the area. Um, my parents both went to Abington, 
didn't know each other and met each other after because it was a huge school. And then we were Bluebell Elementary the whole time. You were voted uh, most athletic. Was I? Yeah, I think you were. So I don't have my yearbook. It's in like storage somewhere in Pennsylvania, I think, actually. Yeah. So I have no idea what like ridiculous quote I have or anything. I was voted most, most athletic. Yeah, I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's good that um, I played sports in college then, I guess. <laughs> so then when you were, but when you were growing up, you and your brother, um, were you as twins, were you guys like friends growing up as kids? Yeah, we were, um, I, I, yeah, I guess, um, as much, yes, we were, of course. Um, but Andy was more like my protector and I was so, and still am, I've gotten way better at talking now. Now I feel like I talk too much, but as a kid, like I didn't talk at all. And I was so shy and still like inside, I'm super shy and nervous all the time. Not all the time, but at least in like new situations or right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, so for a long time, like he didn't, he would speak for me and I wouldn't speak. This is obviously from what my parents have told us. They specifically we were maybe in the first, we were in kindergarten together, but then they specifically put us into like separate classes for the rest of elementary school so that we would like develop our own kind of identities more so. And I think they told my parents that I wasn't like socially developed enough so that like, because I never talked. <laughs> so they wanted to hold me back. And my parents were like, no, you can't. You can't separate twins like that's going to make such a complex. So um, they didn't, and obviously it worked out okay. I don't think they did that with middle school, and we maybe were in the same pod sometimes, not all the time. But then by high school, there were only so many classes. Like we definitely had classes together all the time in high school. But growing up, yeah, like we would annoy each other and be friends and play with each other. You have like a built-in play person all the time. Yeah. But so like. I had to watch G.I. Joe before like the bus in elementary school. Like there was no like Rainbow Bright or whatever else was, I don't know, My Little Ponies, I think I liked. Um, Played a lot of Micro Machines, Transformers. Is that hard to like develop like a, I don't know, when you say that I would almost go like, well, did you you turn into like a tomboy? But were you able to develop like a a girl identity, I guess, at a young age? Because not a lot of girls do that then. They just kind of like, whatever. If you don't complain, sure. Let them do that. Right. Yeah. I I definitely felt like growing up, I was more tomboy ish. I had two, I have two older brothers as well. So I'm the only girl. So there was always sports on always like lots of like boy type things, I guess. But like at the same time, since I was the only girl, there was also like, well, no, you're a girl. Like, no, you're not doing, you're not you're not playing that with us or you're not coming or like, you know, so I was excluded from certain things. I still had like dolls and like, I I never liked the color pink, I guess. I don't know. Like, but I still had like girlfriends that we would do like dress up and like make believe and like that kind of stuff. And I'd have dolls and Barbies. I think our, my Barbies played with like the GI Joes a lot. When, when we played together, we like, or like I had some girly Legos and would play like with the boy Legos too. So it was like a combo of yeah. both, but yeah. The super mashup, the GI Joe and the Barbie. GI Joe like Barbie. Karate. It was like, 
G.I. Joe fighting Ken. But yeah, so I mean, there was a good mix of, a good mix of stuff, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but like, so growing up, I was just teaching my niece and nephew or nieces and nephew like, field hockey. And my little nephew, like there aren't, it's not, I mean, it's popular worldwide for men, but for men in the United States, it's really not a popular sport. But Andy would play all the time with me, like growing up because I needed somebody to play against. And my dad, like, so that's like my dad, Andy and I would, he would like donate his time and play field hockey with us and be like a defender or something. So he also had to do non-boy things, I guess. <laughs> we all, so we all grew up playing soccer, like WRA soccer and it, and T-ball and softball and all that stuff. And the initial teams were all boys and girls anyway, when you're young. So we would just be like on a little team together. And I only stopped playing soccer once um, I started playing field hockey because they put them in the same season. I only got soccer for, for one year, I think I played. Um, yeah. So we didn't have soccer in Amblin. And yeah. we had to go, we only had, we had baseball and we had- But uh, could basketball. you do like the WRA? We could do WRA, yeah. but it, it took a few years for me to get over there. Like even with basketball, it probably right. wasn't, until I started going to Shady Grove that we moved to WRA type sports and even not with baseball, though, always did Ambler baseball. Yeah. And, um, when I would go to WRA soccer, I hated it. <laughs> early soccer games. I think it's just the aspect of soccer early yeah. in the morning. In Super the early winter. in the morning. But like my favorite thing was the oranges. Ever, someone always had to bring oranges at halftime. See, in no. baseball, in baseball, we had the snack bar. Baseball oh. would always be afternoon games, right? Basketball would be nighttime games after class, after school. And baseball- I worked the, the snack, snack bar in Lower Gwinnett. You can get hot dogs or whatever there, right? That was great. Too? All that the, for me, all the snack bar had in soccer was hot chocolate. Oh, yeah. See, there was no snack I, bar in, hot or in, um, in WRA. They had it a little just, trailer. Oh, was it? Yeah, the little tiny trailer. That was like uh, basically nothing. Yeah, hot, yeah. hot chocolate. <laughs> hot chocolate. And that was like, you know, I wasn't into the sport. The grass was wet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and usually by that point, it's cold. But I don't know. So that was like, that was still a bonding. Like we would play, my dad would just, I, I think, well, he was athletic. My mom was athletic too. But I think as having four kids, it was like, how can I tire them out so that that when they come inside, it'll like be a little bit more calm and settled. Mm -hmm. So running around the yard, especially like a kid, you could just be like, I bet you can't run that fast over there. Like, and a kid will do it. Do it um, again. <laughs> right. Yeah. Now try it again. Okay. So I think that was an element of it. But for me, sports and stuff finally allowed me to be not as shy and like be like a little bit more confident. Probably that's really where, I mean, and obviously it opened a lot of other uh, doors for me. It wasn't required. We always were interested in doing it, but like we always had to do something. So like you weren't just like idle, which in hindsight, I think was like super helpful for me to like be better in school and like have a structure and like be more regimented. I think it was really probably pretty influential in terms of like my success. That's interesting Whatever because success I've had, I guess. 
Well, no, I mean, I, the other thing I meant to tell you was that, you know, when, when I kind of like made a list of like people that I would love to have on the show, you were definitely, and I kind of alluded to this when I asked you if you would, if you would do it was that I've been wanting to interview you. You're like top, like I, I kind of joke like a top six. You were like on the top six because wow. in my head, when I thought about like what the show could be, right? Super awkward for, you know, bullies and crushes and people you have these, these yeah. weird interactions with, but also people who are, who have businesses to promote, who have this like, these interesting, you know, post high school lives and people who are doing interesting things to talk about. And in my head, I was like, I would always say like, you know, like what's Lizzie Black doing? Isn't she like a heart surgeon? Like, that's what I would say in my head and to yeah. people when I would, or out loud when I pitch it to, to people. Right. Um, I so did yeah. go to medical school, but I am not a heart surgeon. All right. We'll um, get there, but don't, yeah. don't listen. Paige was the fastest girl in the world. Yeah. <laughs> and for now you're a heart surgeon. Okay. Perfect. So you were in, this is when I think about, I always start like that. When I think about you, Lizzie, uh, <laughs> I always think like you were extremely studious, I guess, academic, very yeah. smart in all, in a lot of the high level classes, but you were in the cool kid crowd. You hung out with very popular, pretty girls and you played a lot of sports. So you were in kind of like that, the cool jock crowd of like the most popular popular. But right. in my head, you know, it's always tough to to kind of line up the, the the popular kids and the academic kids. I'm always so interested in, you know, the partying or whatever. And right. so in my head, I just go, well, when these kids were partying and having fun, was Lizzie just studying in the corner or like, or was she, you know, I want to I want to paint you as like a goody two shoes. I, I mean, I kind of was in high school. So I like freshman year, I remember. So I made all the like varsity sports freshman year. So as like a little freshman coming in, the only, it was like a saving grace and not my brother, middle older brother, Brian was a senior when we were freshmen. Okay. And so all the girls on the, uh, like the seniors on the team and juniors knew who my brother was and therefore knew that like, I was the little sister. Yeah. And I was so naive. I remember, I don't know if it was field hockey or lacrosse, but I think it was probably field hockey is I think it was Jill Posen would just try and get me to curse. Cause I would never curse. Now I curse like a sailor, but back then I like, didn't say shit or anything like, and so that she, we, we, I remember we do be doing like sprints and she'd be like, Lizzie, just say shit. And I'd be like, shit. And then she would think it was amazing. Or like the one time I, I distinctly remember like not really wanting to say fuck and then finally saying fuck at one point, but kind of under my breath so no one would hear it. But yeah, I did kind of feel like a goody two shoes. Not, not that I felt like I was judging other people for what they were doing, but it just didn't fit for me. So like a page alluded to when I finally, I used, I played basketball at the first two years of high school and then indoor track the last two, we would have track meets for indoor track. So every Friday night, like on a bus for three or four hours to Lehigh or wherever. So like, I wasn't at any party then. I guess I would go to football games because my brother would be playing too, but that was always during my season as well. I, I was always in a season, but I did get arrested. And- get arrested. 
Wow. <laughs> and, put, and, put, and put in a paddy wagon. So, um, in high school? yeah, yeah. Cool. Uh, sophomore year. It was like, I was, yeah, pretty devastated. What were you uh, doing? How were you breaking bad? Right. Yeah. It was who had a party? Some uh, junior had a party over spring break. And so I was friends with a lot. So since I was playing sports, well, right. and all the, like with all the varsity sports with juniors and seniors, and I guess some sophomores at that point, this was sophomore year. So it was the juniors. It, I think it was spring break and somebody had a party and I, I couldn't even drive yet. So I got picked up and drove around and then somebody wanted to go to the party. So we dropped them off and we we're like, oh, this looks sketchy. Cause it was like, you know, classic, like, uh, like a high school party where the house is completely dark. Somebody's supposed to be away on vacation. And then there's like 25 cars parked, like three blocks away that like, it was just like, just far enough to be sketchy. So we left. Oh, Lizzie, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I didn't really either. So, cause I did like the dumbest thing ever and got myself caught when I didn't even drink or do anything. Oh. <laughs> so I, um. I think they actually ended up changing the rule because my dad complained. So the we drove around, we dropped somebody off at the party. We had to pick them back up because they needed to get home because it was still. So we went back to the party. Like, I think we went to a pizza place. There were three of us, dropped the fourth person off at the party, drove around, went to like a pizza place, did whatever. Come to be like almost 11 o'clock. Everyone has to be home by like maybe 1130 at the latest. So we got to go pick the person up at the party and none of us wanted to have be like the only person to go back and maybe get in trouble. So we all went in, but then I was like, I'm going to stay by the door. And like the other two people went into the party to try and find the person to be like, Hey, we're here. Come on, let's go. Sure enough. Within like two minutes, I'm standing by the door. Someone comes by. Police just knock the door down. I basically like, welcomed them into the house. And so I was like, I can't run. Like I'm literally right here. Whereas like the rest of the party was like a floodgate out. And then I have never been so scared in my life. And just was like, I don't think I cursed then, but like, I was like silently rocking to myself. Like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh fuck. Your life is over. It was, yeah. And it wasn't, but it still was like pretty traumatic and terrible and was put into like, I feel like not the correct term, um, but like a van, right? Like the, what everyone calls a paddy wagon, but that's insensitive to my, I guess, Irish people. Okay. <laughs> but like, you know, like steel benches. So they put all the girls into the, like the wagon and um, boys, what? Like a transport vehicle. Transport vehicle. Yeah. Like one of those, like, it kind of looks like, um, what they transport like money, like a, uh, money armored, in, but armored, yeah. Yeah. Like an armored vehicle. Yeah. 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 The bars yeah. on the windows, benches on you sit. Yeah. It's like all just like steel look, and yeah, it's terrible. In. Get in there. Yeah. Yeah. So they put all the girls into that. And I think all the like boys were put into cars and they kept them separate. But the funniest thing was, so since I was like basically caught right at the very beginning, the cops were like all yelling and they crowded everybody into like one of the rooms of the house and sat us down and then like slowly started to bring other people in. So it was like 
the really drunk kids that were passed out in the top of the house or like top bedrooms, they woke them up and brought them down. And they were just like, what's going on? People out of breath that like tried to run away and got caught. And so they would come back in. And then they had us all go around and tell us, say like where we lived, what's our, what was our name and how much we had had to drink. Mm. And so they got to me and I was like, Lizzie Black, like there, Evans Road and nothing. And they were like, we will find out if you've had anything to drink. And I was like, I haven't had anything to drink. And they hated me and they thought I was lying. Somebody, then they like lined us up and we all had breathalyzers and somebody like spit out um, pennies and was like, here, do you guys want some? They don't work. Cause I guess the, some wives tale was like, if you have copper or pennies or something in your mouth, like it messes up the breathalyzer, but the dude blew quite high, I think on the breathalyzer. So <laughs> yeah, but I got kicked off of the lacrosse team. Oh. Yeah. So everyone was immediately suspended that had been at the party and drinking. Yeah, that, that was the rule, right? Like they would tell you in the beginning when you first got to high school and like, if you do sports, if you get caught drink, if you get caught hanging out with drinking, you're off right. the team. Right. And so this was like, I was getting really into lacrosse. Uh, it was sophomore year. We were doing really well. And so that's why I chose to like not stay at the party and like leave. I was like, this isn't worth it. It was spring break. And we were still had to be around for practice. And like, I think only practice during spring break. I think this is why my, my dad fought and they eventually changed the rules uh, because I made all the decisions that you would like want your kid to make, like make sure somebody doesn't drive home drunk. Don't drink at the party, but like be responsible for other people and like help them and be big enough to be like, no, I don't want to drink that. Uh, and I'm not going to stay. And You're only I still got, right. So they were still debating. Yeah. So, um, Eventually, though, I think like parents complained and were like, well, our kids got kicked off. So uh, me and um, it was Alexis Heyman. She is a class above us. Um, now married to Eric Malhorn. Right. We both got caught and hadn't been drinking and they weren't going to kick us off initially and maybe just like suspend us for a couple games. And I think people complained, which is still pretty messed up to this day. I'm like, you guys were wasted at the party. And I had to stand in front of the entire team and look at people that I knew that were wasted at the party and got away. And I had to apologize to them and say, I'm sorry I did this and wow. made a wrong decision. And I got kicked off. Yeah. I was like so bitter by like writing, like applying to colleges. I had to leave off like lacrosse year 10. Yeah. So I did get, I, despite being a goody two shoes, it was dumb. And That's now you even got arrested. I was looking at the yearbook and I was going to aggressively ask you as a joke, why didn't you stick with lacrosse in 10th grade? Oh yeah, that's why I was, I was sticking with it. Um, It's probably one of the reasons actually though, that I didn't end up playing lacrosse in college because I didn't like, so the end of my season and like your sophomore year is like a big recruiting time. And I think I still went that year and played like, in a national tournament and stuff and did other stuff, but you just don't get as much exposure. And I just was not as into it then. Whereas like field hockey, then I kept playing the whole time, but yeah. When you were growing up and you were, you know, doing girl stuff and, and who were your, your friends during that time? Like before you kind of got to high school as a kid. Yeah. My, uh, it changed a lot. My like best friend growing up was uh, Julia Preston. Yeah. And Molly Foos probably. 
like elementary age. Molly, okay. they both lived like super close. Is that due to your neighborhood? Yeah. So I lived on Evans Road, like the other side of Evans Road. Alicia, Alicia Conti was like on the other side by Gwen and Mercy College. And I became even closer than with Katie Eveland. And so I was friends with Katie before too, um, but even closer with Katie and, and Molly. Um, I remember hanging out with Rebecca Elwork, who mm -hmm. also lived, like Natalie Kuhnert, some, I think Leslie some in fifth grade, right when she moved. I have a distinct memory of doing like dances during fifth grade recess with pocket rockers. Did you remember what it was like a little, little cassette tape that like had two songs on it. It was like the first like mobile, like but it was, it was about this, this big. Yeah. And yeah. you, it, I mean, you, it was definitely not feasible. Like it was this big, but then like, all the tapes were like this big and they only had two songs on them. So you would have had to have carried around like a bajillion, but we had a couple songs that we would do dances to, which like the fact that I even like, I can't believe I even did that because I feel like I would have been too embarrassed to, but so I don't know who was involved in all that, but Natalie, probably Caitlin Kelly, Leslie, Katie. You remember the songs? Melissa Morgatan. Oh, I think we're alone now. Does yeah. It? Tiffany. <laughs> Tiffany Amber, no, yeah, just Tiffany. Tiffany. Just, just Tiffany. I'm thinking Tiffany. of Kelly Kapowski. This is Tiffany Amber Thompson, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, just Tiffany. That was one that, like, still to this day, I'm like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> I do like that song. Yeah. So, but I don't really. So, and they also hung out with like Eric Malhorn and Chris Moss because those were two of Andy's best friends. Eric Malhorn lived on um, Sunnytown Pike, right by William Pennon, and um, what now is folkways oh yeah before like when we were growing up it folkways didn't own all of that yet uh, um i think actually maybe folkways bought his house his parents house and then he moved over to ambler but and chris moss um oh and steph schneck they lived like off of gypsy hill road, road. yeah so still close by and Dude, like i actually remember that yeah i'm impressed um <laughs> i would hang out with them if i was like allowed to Play, like if you had people over. So I think that was the other thing that made, um, if I was in like the cool crowd, it was probably mostly because of my brothers. <laughs> well, you know, that's, and, and what? Yeah. Well, that's, that's often what I say, like, you know, the, the groups are very incestuous. And so you just need like one in. One in, yeah. And yeah. then it, it, it kind of, and like you said, you kind of had a built-in, you know, buddy growing up, but you, you also had like a built-in in that, while right. you're studious, it was like, well, yeah, of course we love Lizzie. Lizzie's Andy's Andy's sister. Sister, and, right. So I know. could like go to the party if I, so if I did go to a party, I, which I didn't really in high school, I, I maybe, I remember like drinking a couple times um, after some dances, mm. something like that. But the only time, like I was definitely more of a rule follower and especially after, you know, getting kicked off the lacrosse team sophomore year, I was like, it's not worth it to me. So I was probably even less so. However, that spring I got drunk for the first time. Once they, once they kicked me off um, the team, me... I was like, well, screw you guys. I went, I did like the most like basic and classic, like high school. I went to a Dave Matthews concert had, it was that spring, like later that spring. Damn so it. I got a, ri a ride from somebody 
was in the parking lot like of the vet right it was probably at the vet then still or the, uh, the vet or the, was it the tweeter center no i think this one was like at the vet okay. not the camden um okay. not the camden one i don't uh, think okay. i think this was like a really big one and it was three nights and i think i went two nights and the first night i had like three beers and I was wasted only because I was like, well, what else? Like, I was like, I was like, I already got kicked off my lacrosse team and right. it was like a Saturday or something. So, but then otherwise I didn't like, I didn't drink or do anything. I do remember maybe in middle school, people would go to the movies all the time and then say they were going to the movies, but then walk over to where like there was Chuck E. Cheese and where now Whole Foods is, but what, what, I don't remember Fresh what it was field. before. What? Fresh Fields. Oh yeah. Fresh Fields. That's it. And then they would like smoke and hang out on the other side. And like the first time I went, I think I was like, oh, are we going to watch the movie? <laughs> and then, so I just like stand out and, and like hang out. And like people would always like offer and be like, do you want to smoke? I'd be like, nope. And maybe someone had alcohol and like it would be offered. But like, if I said no a couple times, people would be pretty respectful. And like, it wasn't, I don't know. They, they just like. Did you, sometimes people have a hard time uh, dealing with people in that mind space when they're not partaking. As a kid, was that, it was all just, you're still hanging out with your friends, even though your friends are probably getting a little bit shit-faced or was it annoying? Or did you have a different group of friends that you like to be with that could help offset some of those times? Yeah, I think I like, so that was probably middle school-ish time. And I think I just like stopped doing that as much. So like, but I, um, I felt like in middle school, you could like, if you had a birthday party or something, it was like, here's like a hundred people that you have to invite to your birthday party. It was just like giant group of people. And then that started to kind of pare down in high school, like, and be like a little more cliquish, but I, so I never felt like, well, like I never, like no one was ever mean to me or anything. Like I, I didn't feel comfortable. And I just kind of felt like I was like there to like say I was there or maybe because Andy was going or something. Cause then I was just like, well, what am I hanging out? Like outside, not smoking or whatever and not watching a movie. So that ended pretty quickly. And then I started to just have so many sports that like, I couldn't, um, I never was smoking. Cause like, I was like, I use my lungs every day. Like that would be um, silly. And then I think after the one party incident from sophomore year, uh, despite the fact that like not drinking or anything, like I just, like, it just wasn't like, so I, I would like, at that point, I think things started to like splinter off a little more. And I hung out with Molly and Katie, like all the time, but then she, Katie at one point was dating somebody that was a year above us. So anytime I feel like that we dated or somebody dated somebody that was like older, there was more parties and stuff. So I definitely went to, like, I went to a pimps and hoes party, I remember, and had to wear something like that oh. probably wasn't even that risque, but I felt like totally exposed and super self-conscious. And I probably didn't really drink either. So I don't know. I probably, like, I couldn't imagine right now being like the sober person and hanging out with people that are getting wasted, but I guess I did that for a while. Once I got to college, I didn't. And then in the summer times, we would go to the Dominican Republic. Yeah. 
and everything was legal there. Well, maybe not technically, but like no one was. So we, we would drink in the summertime, but I still would like wake up to go run. So I don't know. (laughs) Were you Um, aware? It sounds like you're aware of it now, but were you aware of it then of like, kind of like that stereotype of being like the nerdy girl or. Oh yeah. Cause I was like, I, sorry. I I watched a lot of, again, like a lot of 90210. Oh yeah, I do too. So Andrea Zuckerman is what, and you had the glasses, right? You had glasses back then. I had glasses. I still, I still do. They're just not on right now. Yes. Take it back. <laughs> and, and I was so self-conscious of my glasses in, um, I think I got them in sixth grade just to like see the board. So I would take them off. Like I would try and put them on. Like once I sat down so people wouldn't see me put them on. And then I would like leave them on for the class. And then I would try and take them off quickly, like pack them up and like, not have them on in the hallway. And same thing in high school, I I still didn't wear them that much or I, maybe I wore them a little bit more, but I finally got contacts mm. and realized like how much I was missing. Cause I would always take my glasses off and just be like, oh yeah, I think that's <laughs> like, I remember playing sports for the first time with my contacts and I was like, oh gosh, I can see their faces. Like I can see so many more things like happening. so. Um, I finally started wearing contacts, but yeah, um, they're, they're still, uh, so I was for sure the nerdy one. Andy was the outgoing one. And then especially as twins, like, I feel like we were labeled, like you're the nerdy twin. Andy's like the outgoing twin. Meanwhile, like Andy is just as smart, if not smarter than me. Like he just didn't care all the time about like at school, he would just go to bed at like eight o'clock or nine o'clock. And I'd be like, okay, I'm going to keep working. (laughs) Also because it would take me so much longer to do stuff. He would be done stuff in like two seconds. I would take forever. Well, that's probably also a little bit of guy, a little like uh, sex or uh, gender bias. That's the word. Oh, for sure. Right. Like the no one ever says anything about smart guys, but Leslie talked about, you know, feeling like she didn't want to, you know, feeling like she couldn't be the smart one because, you know, she felt like guys maybe would be threatened or. Um, oh, and I felt like that all the time. Being a smart Between girl being, was a negative. What? Yeah, oh, it was a, a complete negative. negative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Between being good at sports, that like hit a lot of people's egos. I remember in middle school more because like particularly middle school, like boys are so not developed compared to girls. Like kickball in middle school gym, like I'd kick it farther than the boys. And whoever didn't have like a strong sense of their self, like would make some sort of comment about me being like a man or something, or like, I don't know. I feel there was a couple other times in middle school that I felt uncomfortable. And I always felt, I mean, I always felt uncomfortable, but I, I always felt like I was like the dorky one and people kind of just like entertained me because I, either they had older siblings that knew my older siblings or um, Andy. And then I think I felt more comfortable around a bunch of the boys that then would become like maybe more popular that like they were like other brothers to me from growing, like growing up and playing with them that it didn't ever feel like, I don't know. I wasn't uncomfortable around them, but I was around other boys. So, and I never thought like, I always thought, like, I, I felt like I definitely had crushes on boys, but like, I felt like people viewed me in a very like asexual way. 
<laughs> like I definitely, cause I was like the nerdy whatever one. Or I always thought like, if anyone claimed that they like liked me, that they were doing it to mess with my brothers. Oh uh, yeah. Cause I feel like sometimes they were probably trying to mess with my brothers and maybe other times it was for real. Hey, but, I like sister, I'm going to ask out your sister. Shut up, right. man. Or like make con like comments about like, like I particularly remember indoor track cause we would have spandex on. Um, so like, yeah, like, I don't know. So I definitely didn't date in high school. Although I did go on, I did go on one date. I can't remember if it was freshman or sophomore year. And it was um, Grant Whitaker, who, uh, Pete Whitaker's older brother, Pete Whitaker in our class. Older than JC? I only know Pete. No, JC was my brother's age, Brian. So they, he was a senior when we were freshmen. Grant was middle, a junior. It was a middle Whitaker. Middle Whitaker, yeah. And we went to a movie. He picked me up and we went to a movie. And I think I was so insecure. I was like, he can't like me. Even though he like asked me out and we went to a movie, I think I was like still so awkward afterwards. Like that was it. Like we went to a movie and I was just like, okay. And like super awkward. Um, interestingly though, I think I had like a huge crush on him. Yeah. But like, I just like couldn't, um, yeah. So for you, I mean, I, I guess it's the same because all the same things as far as like the parties and stuff, because you were so busy that I guess, it wasn't like you were sitting at home going, I wish it was on a date because generally you had stuff to do anyway. Right. But I guess, I don't know. I mean, I didn't have the one date, but I was in a similar way, didn't date at all, but none of my friends did either. Right. So it wasn't in my world. What's that like for you though, to, to see like, you know, your friends all kind of, especially when right, we talk about the groups being intermingled. And I right. imagine most people are intermingled because of who they're dating, right. Their boyfriends, friends and all that, all of your, well, not all, but your intermingling comes from your brother's friends versus another versus a boyfriend. Right. What's that like for you? Yeah, I think there was some mingling because like Katie dated someone the in the class above dating. us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I guess like seeing, just seeing that you're not in that space. I don't know. I would always say that like, I wasn't mature enough for it regardless, but. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I wasn't like, I was way too insecure. I couldn't wrap my head around like somebody liking me. <laughs> like, um, I was just like, there's no way. Like, or I would rationalize it in the other way. Like, so I think most of my friends, well, so I think though, like with high school dating, it's still just like so many people hang out together and there's still so much apart time that like, even when Katie was dating someone, we still played sports together and would she would drive me home or she would still come hang out and we would still hang out on our own. And it would, you didn't spend every waking moment with the other person. Or I think that's like when I went to the pimps and hose party, like it was like a someone in the junior class, nor maybe, maybe when we were juniors and they were, I don't know which, what year it was, but, um, like going to some parties that were, um, uh, yeah, I guess from like sports and or from dating. That sorry, I just started to remember that I hung out with Katie Kulik a lot growing up. Yeah, and yeah. then her brother, older brother, would have parties and stuff. Chris Kulik. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they lived fairly close to us too. I just had a very similar, I had very similar experience in that way. And I had the same feelings that, that feeling of like awkwardness. And like, even like when I did start dating in college of like, and even today, like, it's like, they don't really like, Oh, she really likes me. Like she doesn't really like me. Does she? I, I still feel like I, do you feel like you ever got over that? So it took me a long time. So I maybe like made out with some people in high school, but not, I don't think even really. And just was like always feeling awkward. I got to college and still didn't necessarily think people would like me, but that was the first time it was very interesting. And I, I think I struggled a little bit, um, not being like, it was the first time I was not Andy's sister and like coming up with my own identity. And like, so I feel like I did miss out on a ton of stuff in high school, like my going to Keystone games and like doing lots of, I, cause I would play like field hockey in the wintertime and the springtime and the summertime and the fall. And then I would have lacrosse things at other times. And then I also did indoor track and I did like everything else during those times. So like sometimes after like indoor track practice, I would go play indoor field hockey for like three hours in Downingtown and then like have to come back and on a weeknight or something or anyway, but like, so I was constantly busy enough that like there were some times that I could go out and do something but like still was like very much in like a little bubble. But every time my parents took me to something, like my brothers could have parties. <laughs> so I was like the facilitator for them. So then uh, I would say the Dominican Republic and like spending time there, that first was like the first foray into like feeling like a social, more social person, even though I was social in high school, but like, I was fine, like eating, hanging out, like eating food and watching movies with like Katie and Molly and doing something ridiculous, like playing pool, talking to people. We went to parties and stuff too, but college, I was like, man, I just spent like so many years, like working so hard. I still had field hockey, but I was just like, I is like the academic part is as like useful. Like, and I in college was like super social all the time, which I guess is surprising for people too at, um, cause it's Princeton, like that people wouldn't go out and party, but like, it was the most intense partying. Like you'd go to like the library until you, it was like 11 and then you'd take like five shots and then go out and like party until like, so you, I, like I on multiple occasions, like left my computer in the library and got drunk and forgot about it. But because it was also Princeton, like I could find it there the next day. And it was like, thank God my computer's still here. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But then like during my season, I wouldn't. So uh, yeah, but it still took like, I didn't date that much in college either. Cause I still think I struggled with the same, like, I was like, oh, they're not interested. Um, and it took a long time to, I never really dated anybody in college. Cause in college for us, it was like, either you were like married to the person or you kind of hooked up with somebody a little bit. And then like, you was, it was like maybe a little bit of a thing, but you wouldn't necessarily call it like dating. I don't know. It could have still like been, ex what? That sounds like high school or middle oh, school. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It was so weird. It was weird. But I, I also don't out. know that. 
You just hang out at the lockers at Princeton? <laughs> well, the, the eating clubs, it sounds even more pretentious. Yeah, the eating clubs. So, which is like, so it's like a co-ed, the best description is like a co-ed frat. Okay. So there are these big, beautiful mansions and they're all on one street. And like the eating club I was a member of is a historical, like it's a historical landmark. Okay. I think F. Scott Fitzgerald started writing like this side of paradise in it. So we have like F. Scott Fitzgerald memorabilia and like anytime a drunk person would like break a light bulb, you have to get it like specially reordered because it's a historical landmark. So it has to match like stuff. And then all these big, beautiful houses had tap rooms. So your freshman and sophomore year, all you needed to get into them was your school ID. So it was like underage drinking like heaven. You just needed your school ID. And since it was private property and like there were no immediate like residential areas, the police couldn't come in unless like somebody called the cops mm. on them, but no one did. And then you join them your junior and senior year and you actually ate your, all your meals there. And then like there was a library at mine and, but it was like a social gathering part. No one lived there except for the, um, the officers. Yeah, so you would just like see people out of them. And it became like this weird, so, cause Princeton was not that much bigger. It is bigger, but like, uh, it's not that big of a college. So you still would walk around campus and be like, oh, I recognize that person. Or especially I think like, since I was still in like the sport world, like you start to recognize lots of people from different sports, mm -hmm. which kind of got you into different, I don't know, different other things. Yeah. Um, but I still never, like you'd hang out with somebody at an eating club or maybe you make out on a dance floor, but like, I didn't really date anybody. And then I continued to not really date anybody for a, like, a long time. <laughs> uh, right after college, I finally had like a first real boyfriend when okay. I lived in New York. Okay. But even then it was like too much. I was like, oh, you're amazing. And he was really great. Um, but he was like older and in a different spot than I was. And I was like, I can't handle this right now. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm done. Do you, yeah. Do you feel, uh, uh, I, I've recently had people comment on, uh, on like my relationship statuses from time to time or the way that I look at things. And, and I've had someone uh, recently criticize the way that like, I look at relationships and I, and sometimes look like, at them. Um, I think, I think I look at them kind of like a, a mixture of like real life experience, but like still very like stereotypical or dream worldy okay, of yeah. like, not necessarily what's realistic, but, but what I want to happen. What I, yeah, you know, in the same way that like, if you have a dream for a job, oh man, you know, I could, I could do this job, but I'd really love to do this job. I do the same thing with like relationships. It's like, well, sure. You know, I'm dating this girl and that's cool. But my dream is to date this girl or to marry this girl. Like, Grass is always greener or something that. Yes, but I guess just certain attributes that I'm I'm trying to find and match up that I feel like I'll I'll know when it's enough. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I have um I think probably uh I have the highest standards for myself, which is both good and a bad thing, but like being 
successful before like in school was never like my parents being like you have to do well and whatever it was just like try your best so I think I just hold myself to a high standard and I therefore then particularly people like immediately around me I have extremely high expectations of like maybe too high (laughs) I don't know but I think I never it's a combination of like having high standards and also not really knowing what I wanted yet. Like, do you really know exactly what you're looking for? Because I have changed probably, I don't know, like each stage of my life, there's been a different thing where I've like, okay, I have, this is interesting to me. And like, it's good for a little while, but then like, I'm like, wait, this is, is this really who I want to be and what I want for the rest of my life? And I struggled with that for like a major in college (laughs) for figuring out even like going to college, like what I was going to do, what I've been doing after college. Like, I just like, I don't want to be pigeonholed into something. And I feel like that also, I was afraid of that as well with relationships um, and not ready to like commit to that. Um, And uh, it took until 37. (laughs) Still going. <laughs> yeah, still yeah. So um it's uh it's been a long and I I still I still think I'll probably struggle with that like for life. Right. But it probably wasn't until like late 20s that I finally was like, oh, I could I think I want to have kids eventually. Or like I want to have like I could even see myself getting married. Like I didn't even think about that. Uh, I also didn't even think about going to college until I started getting like recruiting letters. And I was like, all right, I have to go to college. So then um, while, you're, while you're playing all these sports um, and, you're, and you're really good academically, I mean, for you academically, let me ask that first, like being good at class, schoolwork. I know people yeah. have talked about like liking school, um, about, you know, working hard. And whereas you say like Andy would go to bed, you would, you would stay up. Is, is that something you- Yeah, oh my gosh, but I- also, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but also like Andy did work really hard. <laughs> but, you, but he would, he wouldn't push it and he would go to bed. I would push would, it much more. Right. Yeah. yeah but, but I just, were you like, conscious of, of like, I need to achieve some sort of a certain academic standard? Um, I was very focused back then on doing my best. And I knew though that like, if I had studied, like I needed to know everything like perfectly. I want like so many perfectionist tendencies that I'll be working on getting, like pushing aside for the rest of my life as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I really was focused on like, we didn't, I didn't get anything special for having like all A's. I, we would go to like the William Penn Inn for brunch. Like that was it, that which was we loved, fun. which we loved doing. Um, but like, it wasn't like I was getting straight up money or like anything. Like my parents are both teachers, like they worked really hard. So I think that was part of it. Like they, I have like, I just have always been very curious, love to learn new things. And the focus was on like trying your best and like doing the best that you can. And I felt really bad when I knew that I could have done better and didn't or made like a silly mistake. Cause like, it wasn't showing how good I could do on like a test or something. But so I was probably the driving force of that. 
and my parents were support. My parents were like super supportive and like, we want you to focus on school and sports and trying to make that like as simple as possible for us and really giving up like so much of their own time and everything for us to be successful. But I don't know. I don't think I actually answered your question. Well, no, I mean, you did. Um, Did while you were doing that, I guess, was it like a, I don't know, I guess like, did you have you, it sounds like you were doing it just to do good in school. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was no, there was, and like you said, you didn't even think about going to college until you were getting academic. So for you, there was no connect between. I didn't even think I was like that good at field hockey or lacrosse. But, but academically, there was no connect between like, if I do well, I guess like my next question would be, did your parents go to college? Yeah. So they both went to college. Um, They both have their, my mom's a nurse, but teaches, she taught nursing at um, Gwen Mercy College. And my dad taught at Gwen Mercy College, but he's a high school teacher, but then also taught in college. He was a Spanish teacher. We had to do, like my parents made us like, so that we had to try our best, had to be good people and had to be, um, that, that was it basically. Like try your best and, and be a good person. And I think I took that to like an extreme maybe. But it was Without never- really, I'm a people pleaser. Like, I think it was more just like, okay, this makes everybody happy around me. And, and a part of me happy too, because I like seeing like my parents proud of me. And I like seeing, I think it also helped too that like my closest friends were also along the same wavelength. Right. Not that we competed, but like, they weren't going to give me shit if I was like, I got to do my project. Like, I can't hang out tonight. I got to do my project or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's um, something I often think about. I've said many times that my friends weren't, my friends weren't, weren't really making a plan for college necessarily. A lot of my friends were looking to work after college to make money right after, or I mean, after high school, looking to make money. And I, and I often wonder how much, if I would have been better at, getting into college if I had that and, and my parents didn't go to college so yeah. it was like you got to go but I didn't feel like I had the tools equipped to prepare myself to do that until I got a, a year or two into community college yeah then it was like oh okay now I kind of see like what you need to do and, and the way you need to you know I felt like I was kind of playing catch-up so I guess yeah, I was super it's, fortunate but but I mean even though so for you like it wasn't I guess, what did you think you were going to do? What did you want to do? Like when you're, you know, when you're 16, 16, 15 year old Lizzie. Yeah. You know, you're playing lots of sports, but you're not getting recruiting letters and you, you know, you bust your ass academically and it's really important to you, but just because you notice that that's what is, is hoped for, for you. Yeah. And I I do, I like to learn too. So it's a combination of like, of that. So what did you think then be prior to like, a you know, a future of like, I need to apply myself. What did you yeah, want I don't to know. do? I, I, I have often thought about that because I do remember like receiving, so you can start getting recruiting letters soft, like the spring of your sophomore year, maybe no junior year. And so like, obviously like I have two older brothers, they both went to college. So I think it was kind of like, 
it was like a, a, a given like, oh, I'll, I'll go to college. But I, I didn't actually envision it. It was just like, and I almost wish like, it's what I try to, if I'm like meditating or like doing yoga or something now, like I was so in the moment of like, this is just like all I'm focusing on this, what I have to do and not kind of worrying about the other like bullshit around. And I feel like I get caught up in that more now as an adult than I did back then. But I, I mean, I think I, I, I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to be, oh, a veterinarian. I wanted to be something that helps somebody like very, very, like very trite, like, and it sounds ridiculous, but like, well, even like applying to medical school, I was like, like, you're supposed to have this like magical moment of like, when like the calling came to you to like be a doctor. And I was like, I just want to help people. Like, I like helping people. And like, I find the human body to be fascinating. Like it's an amazing machine. Yeah. So I don't think like, I mean, there was no like magical. I, so the biggest debate for me, I had as a kid, I think being a vet was a big thing and maybe a doctor. I was weirdly obsessed with um, like the hot zone. Did you ever read that book? No, probably not. And like Robin Cook novels, which were like medical thrillers. And I don't even remember when I read those, but like the hot zone was about the Ebola virus and it's like basically the movie outbreak. But like it, what happened really in the United States? <laughs> um, and so I remember reading. What? <laughs> so you're ready to go? Right. Yeah. And I was just like, this is life. awesome. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know why. My mom's a nurse. My grandmother was a nurse. There was like multiple nursing. Yeah. I guess like, did you? Yeah. It was you know? Did you? I grew up wanting to be an astronaut until I found out that you can't be an astronaut if you're colorblind. Right. So like, I, I'm like, I'm not that good at math. I'm like, I can't. They'd be like, quick, solve this equation. I'd be like, I need my GI 83. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, but are you colorblind? I am colorblind. Oh. So I can see colors, but I can't see shades. Okay. So the, the common, which a lot of people. Green, right? Green usually? Greens and blues. Yeah. And then there's certain times, you know, blacks and yellows. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I like to wear a lot of like wild colors, but blues and greens are the hardest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Does, is your dad colorblind? My grandfather. Okay. I was going to say, cause it is. It's uh, uh, hereditary on your mom's, right? It's your mom's side, isn't it? I thought. Uh, yes, I believe it is. Cause yeah. it's, I think it's found on your X chromosome and it's not usually found in girls because girls have a second one, like a backup and you right. don't cause you have a Y. Yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. My, it's on your ex somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. My grandfather, um, my mom's, my mom's dad is, was colorblind. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I used to not be able to, like you had a thing where you couldn't read the board. I used to not be able to, I had a teacher, I want to say it was Mrs. Gavin. It could have been Mrs. Gordon back in the old Madison Avenue days. Oh, yeah. uh, and we, uh, one of the teachers used to like write on the board with like blue and green chalk on the oh, board. Really? And I couldn't see it. And I would just like, I don't know what this all is. And, and Did you ever tell them? Yeah. So it was eventually it was like, you know, I can't really see it. And I went to the doctor and they gave you that book where you match out the patterns, the numbers, and I couldn't see a thing. Oh, wow. I'm, now that, that I'm so pretty unnerving. Like what was going through your mind? Is it kid? Never, like, that's like a, I never knew it was much, it was much tougher, like in my twenties Okay. and I was responsible for buying my own clothes. And right then you're well, like, does this match? <laughs> I remember when I when I moved to Stanford to to go to WWE, I had to travel a lot. So you had to 
you had to wear like uh, business wear, um, yeah, ups and and slacks and coats and stuff. And so I remember getting clothes, and my mom like did all the different matches. Like this coat will match all these different pants, and like I lined them all up, and I took pictures of all of them so that every week when I was packing for the road. I could look and go, okay, I can do this jacket and these pants and this and shirt. Have it set out before. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I had like, like eight different combinations in my phone to go through, to look through just so that I knew what matched. Yeah, and it yeah. took a long time of like, it took my twenties of actually planning, paying attention and recognizing to say, okay, now at least I know, you know, these colors go together. Cause I would just no fucking clue. No. Oh, yeah. 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 No, that's yeah. That's challenging. I can't remember what brought us to that, but. Uh, well, I was originally asking about like a passion, if you wanted to, you know, if there was anything that you wanted to go to school for, but you said, you know, doc, your parent, your mom was a nurse. And so doctor, but veterinarian. Yeah. So that was probably like my biggest thing. I mean, I was like, so I guess it's good and bad. Uh, like I was, I mean, you've put me into like the cool kid crowd, but like, I'm a huge nerd. And but so was Paige, right? Like a lot of that's that's right. the interesting thing that um which is why like, we were really good friends and like Leslie, like we were in the same like Leslie and I were in the same classes and Paige is in the same classes and we would be on the track bus together for forever. And uh Katie is a Katie and Molly are also like I mean, I guess everyone has their own element of nerdiness. Mm -hmm. You just have to find your like nerdiness. Like Katie, Molly, and I would be silly all the time. And like, I just, there was a enough of a camaraderie, I think, and similarity that it was supportive between um, like Colleen and Brooke and um, right. I don't know, everyone like between sports and classes together, like everyone was kind of still on the same, the same general path of like trying to do their best. Well, and like being supportive and like it just kind of lent itself to like I think that's why I mean it's like why people self-segregate and whatever right like you find your people that like you're kind of similar to and for good or for worse right like like because I mean I've just named all all the white people <laughs> I, I was going to ask you because you, know, you started off earlier by talking about the, you know, diversity in school. Um, and then, you know, you went to an, and it's funny because our school was, was diverse and, and, you know, Will Laval who has done an episode, but it hasn't aired. But one of the things that he did talk about, which I think is fine to say was that, you know, he, when he transferred schools, um, he came because he kind of wanted a different experience. And I, and I kind of asked him about it a few times and I, and I think what he was, it took him a little bit to say, but I think what he was trying to get to was, you know, diversity, minorities, different class structures. Um, but still, you know, and this is something that I do go back to a lot. And I ask people is, you know, who'd you hang out with? And often, and it's, it's as I, re, I remember it a lot of times, and I think athletics is probably one of the easy ways for people to have been able to break out of that mold of hanging with the all white crew or the all black right. crew. Yeah. Um, so I don't know, you know, the difference, what was that like for you? I guess, because you did hang out with like mostly white kids. Right. And like you just said, like you just named all these white kids who are, right. and I don't think my issue was race, but I do think there is something to the fact that most of my friends were, you know, wanted to, wanted to work and, 
um, I didn't really have anyone in my world to help guide me onto here's what you need to do if you want to go to college. My parents, right. not that my parents didn't have the opportunity, but that just wasn't their, their world. And you're an only child, right? And an only child. So I didn't see it from older siblings. Right. Like I had the advantage of, well, one, my, my parents were, did go to college and were teachers. So they were focused on like doing well in school or trying your best. But I then had two older brothers that like went through all of that. Um, that, I mean, I was just an advantage for me for sure. And I'm sure that's why older siblings always have like a, you know, a chip on their shoulder about like, I paved the way for you. And like, yeah, you did. Thanks. <laughs> but yeah, in terms of diversity. So I think like, obviously sports gives you exposure to more diverse groups of people and between like field hockey and lacrosse are way less diverse of sports, right. but I played basketball and lacrosse or, and, uh, indoor track, which definitely like, I was so excited to, and I, I've listened to, I haven't listened to Jess's podcast yet, but I've listened to a lot of like, because she's a police officer, right. In in Oakland. Oakland? Yeah. 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 In County. yeah. And so I've like on Insta or not on Instagram, maybe on Facebook have been like listening. Cause she did that whole series of like her black and blue stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember being pretty close with Bianca Mercer, but like, I, I don't think I knew at the time, I, I, I just wasn't aware about how like isolated and kind of in my own little group I was being. And I don't think I was on purpose. I think it was also just a nature of our, where we live. But I think in terms of, so going from our high school to then college, there was obviously some diversity in college too, but I felt like it was because it was just that much bigger there. The segregation was just even more apparent. Self-segregation, not uh, obviously real segregation. Yeah, yeah. This isn't integrated. <laughs> yeah, it didn't integrate yet. Um, but I don't know. So I, I, I felt like actually, and, and I think exposure to people of like different like, like monetary backgrounds, like wealth and whatever, like we had way more of that in high school than I did. I mean, when I got to college, because like, so if I'm thinking back to high school, my family was like pretty like middle, like middle upper maybe, but like my parents were teachers, like worked real hard. We, my brother and I shared a car. We had my grandmother's old car when she stopped driving. Like it was like, we called it the box. It was a white Oldsmobile <laughs> um, with a bench seat in the front. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I like, I, I think exposure to, and I think also uh, I, since I grew up going to the Dominican Republic, mm. which again, sounds fancy, but my parents, uh, we had a family friend who owned a house there, who was a, do a doctor and owned a house and they never used it in the summertime and they always offered it to our family uh, because my dad spoke Spanish. So it was actually one of the like cheaper vacations we could do. Cause it was like, you just fly there and then we'd stay there for six to eight weeks. So seeing like the resort compared to the town, like uh, the, the poverty of a developing country yeah. and then being exposed to uh, most people in the Dominican Republic are, are 
some black or brown. Yeah. Um, it's it, it was interesting to learn about how race and um, skin color is perceived in um, another country where the majority of people are, or like a country that was colonized and uh -huh. um, well, that's a whole nother, whole nother thing. Cause then I, so then I went back and I lived there as an adult too. So I lived in the Dominican Republic for three years in my mid to late twenties. Doing heart surgeries. Yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Saving the little children. Yeah. Um, no, uh, that was actually hopefully trying to get children not pregnant. Um, I like started like some sex education programs in like public schools. No way. That's I did like HIV and AIDS stuff. Um, so funny because so I looked, I did look at the yearbook before we started and I yeah. saw that like Leslie and I think Paige, you were in like the, in the AIDS peer educator. I was an AIDS peer educator. I yeah. do remember this. Yeah. And I don't even know when it, so, because I also was, um, oh God, I, I did so many clubs and stuff. And it was a joke. I mean, I mean, it, Paige did end up also in like a scientific. Right. You know, but like, you know, for them, at least Leslie, I remember the most talking about just how funny it was. And Paige agreed just to be able to tease these boys. Right. But like bringing like a banana in or something. Right. Yeah. Well, and I can't even it. imagine how uncomfortable I felt doing that because, um, so I was in like student government, student government and like AIDS peer educator, but like, so when I was younger, I like didn't talk and I was petrified of speaking in front of a classroom or anything like that. And I do remember seventh grade, I think it was Mr. Foch. I only remember that because I think you mentioned his name in another and I loved him. What? Oh no, I liked him. I what? think I liked him. Who was oh, the science teacher? Science was Schweighauser. Schweighauser. I did like so, Miss Parker. Miss Parker was English, we, right? So we had seven B together. We had seven. Was that seven B? And sixth grade, I had maybe a pod. Was I, that Goldberg and Delmuto? Delmuto. I had them. I think it was Mr. Foch or Mr. Schweighauser that like encouraged me to run for like a class office or something or like student government or something like that. And I never would have done it. And then my parents were like, yeah, you should do it. Mostly because they knew that I'd be like, you know, scared shitless to talk and that would be good to like, you know, like exposure therapy, like go talk in front of people and like sweat profusely and yeah. ramble and- In the deep end. Yeah. So that like was my first, I mean, because I did, I think, like student government throughout the whole time, but I always was like, I'll be the vice president. I'll do the like one behind everybody, like yeah. to not be like up in center. But why, where, why am I talking about this? I don't well, I was asking about, we were talking about sex ed and, and how nervous oh, yeah. you are. And I was, I was making the joke that like we were talking about just our inexperience. And so, Right. Like, I can't even imagine, like, I felt uncomfortable, like, just like raising my hand to talk in school, like, let alone, I somehow got up in front of classrooms and was like, this is how you put a condom on a banana. So I'm not even sure. I probably was like profusely sweating the whole time doing it, but I do remember doing it. I think I also was like the president of the health careers club. Right. Yeah. And we would, I would organize um, blood drives and I organized like some coat drives for homeless people. I did key clubs. I don't know what else we did. Key club stuff. Oh. Um, 
I did all the things. Varsity, you know, varsity, all that. Yeah. Yeah. I was really just centered around like, so I know key club and some of the other clubs were like the ones that people could just like go sign in on. But like, I didn't, I like did a coat drive for people and like, well, you didn't have any parties to go to. So. Right. <laughs> You're supposed yeah. to, said, I do remember, to be here from, from four o'clock till six 30. Where are you guys going? Yeah. I'll take notes for you. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, I was super cool. I did, uh, I don't remember there. I do remember like some party after maybe a winter formal and somebody had gin and now I like gin as an adult. But back then, everyone was like, it's pine needles. And all I can remember is anytime I drank gin, I'm like, pine needles. Gin Which I do, I do have gin in my closet right now. What? It's a tough one for me. I like it, but I, oh. I, drink it, I only drink it in the summer usually. But gin gets me so drunk. Oh. Like, like fun drunk, but like I want to talk to everybody drunk. Like oh. gin is like, who's on Facebook that I can message drunk? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, maybe it does that to me too. I don't know. But I just, in terms of the only alcohol that I like, can't, I studied abroad for a summer in Mexico because I couldn't do, I always wanted to study abroad and like live in Latin America at some point. And in college, it was like playing sport. I it was looked down upon if you like took a whole semester off because even though field hockey was a fall sport, we had a spring season. So like missing the spring season was like, not, you weren't supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and I like to follow the rules, except I feel like as an adult, I'm like way less likely to follow rules now as I was. Cause I was like, what was I doing? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did a summer abroad and we, I, I was in a really small program through Arcadia. Oh yeah. What was it before? Um, Beaver. What? Beaver college. Yeah. Beaver college. Yeah. So it changed to Arcadia and there weren't many like summer programs that fit to when my school ended. My school ended late, way later in May comparatively to other colleges. So most of the programs would have already started. So I was like, not that interested in Mexico, but I was like, all right, I'm doing it, Mexico. And then I like, I got there, I studied in Guadalajara and it was amazing because there were only like four other people in my class that were Americans. And we became friends with like, the Mexican kids that were taking summer classes at the university that we were at. Cool. So um, it was a pretty awesome experience. We also decided that we had to drink at least a shot of tequila every day. So when I came back to college, it's like the one alcohol that I'm like, I could take a sip of this really good tequila right now, but like, and maybe take one shot. But like, if you give me any more than that, I might vomit. <laughs> <laughs> like I might have like a, a dry heave reaction. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of bad te tequila was had and good tequila, but yeah. When you, you went to college, you went to Princeton um, and you said you didn't even, I, I'm assuming you went for, did you go for sports? Were you recruited for sports? I, I was recruited, but Ivy league schools don't give um, right. scholarships. So yeah, it was a big decision. Yeah. That's why I didn't go either. <laughs> well see the thing is like i i honestly like i remember getting some recruiting letters like maybe it was junior year or something and being like oh right i'm gonna go to college but it was from like brown and harvard and princeton 
and I forget where else, but a bunch of Ivy League schools. And I just like, that wasn't on my radar at all. Like my oldest brother went to UNC, which is a very good school and he's super smart. My other brother, two, Andy and Brian went to Villanova, also super good schools. So, and like no one in my family, I don't think went to an Ivy League school. So it just like, it wasn't like something that was like, oh, I have to go here, or do this or whatever. And then, I don't know. Well, did you visit other schools? Did you I actually- did. I went to, no, I mostly actually did my recruiting trips too. I went to Brown. I visited Harvard on my own and didn't really like it. I didn't want to go to like, I didn't want to be in Boston. I mostly to like where the sports area is compared to where the university is, is like super far away and it's kind of disjointed. And then quite frankly, like the rest of the Ivy league is better. It's field hockey now, but like, they're not that good. So like Brown, I I would have gone to Brown and like, they're not, they were okay. And they played on a rooftop in Providence, but it was like, I I really liked Providence and, um, thought that was pretty cool. And like the vibe of Brown, the, I remember the application to Brown, you had to handwrite it. Oh, wow. Right. I was like, what? (laughs) So I had to like handwrite my essays and I don't know what that was about, but I did look at like Duke and UNC. And before I, I don't, I don't think I ended up going on recruiting trips there. And I also looked at Penn state too, but, oh, I went to Cornell too for recruiting trips. God, I had, no, the most awkward recruiting trip I had actually was at Princeton. And the person I stayed with was in like an eight person like suite. Oh. And so it was like a big common room with lots of like doubles and singles down a hallway. Mm -hmm. So it was like this little mini suite. And so obviously everybody in, uh, so at Princeton, they, they don't put people together with athletes. You just get put with everybody. So it was like a random time in the fall and everyone else is just like going out and partying because it's college, right? right? And so it was, I think, a Friday night and we were in bed early because she had a game the next day, but the other eight people, not like, not on that wavelength. And I'm sleeping on the futon in their common room. So, and <laughs> a uh, someone comes in with like a guy that she brings home after going out. I'm like asleep. Luckily I'm like facing, I'm facing the wall, wall. but she start. they start making out and like going at it on like a chair, like across the room from me. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Hopefully they just like go to her room soon or something. And then at one point they stop and the guy is like, she's gotta be awake. Right. Like she's gotta be awake and like talking about me. And I'm like, Oh my God, don't move. It was awkward. It was so terrible. Um, Lizzie. Yeah. So uh, I was awake and <laughs> I heard everything and it was traumatizing, but uh, so I still, said, I still chose. She said, what? sign me up. Yeah. I still chose school there, <laughs> but so, oh, yeah. Lord. So the end, the end was like, uh, Princeton was really good in field hockey. We were like top 10 in the country. And even though you couldn't have people with scholarships, it's also like, I had to say, and the joke is like, you say like, oh, I I go to school in New Jersey. Cause like, if you just say Princeton, everyone's like, oh, Princeton. And like has all these misconceptions and biases towards whatever. And probably some of them are legitimate for sure. But I still find even to this day, like 
I don't, I don't outright say all the time, like, this is where I went to school. Cause there's always some, like some reaction, but I just couldn't pass up. Yeah. The, uh, it was the best field hockey program and best school. So I like, it was like literally the best of the best. Um, my other options would have been like UNC and Duke, which would have been really good too. And maybe a little bit better in field hockey, but we're comp- we were comparable to that. And yeah. So, um, luckily they have really good financial aid. There you go. Yeah. What was that like then to separate? Where did, where did Andy go Villanova? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's not that far. You guys are, you guys are what, like an hour? Oh no, he came to visit all the time. And yeah, I minutes from me, from each other. So you, right. But I don't know. It's your first time living away from your twin brother. Yeah. How's that? It was interesting. I, I like, it really was a heart. I think initially, uh, I think I've now realized at any point during a transition in my life, I, I struggle a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the positive thing for going to college was I immediately started playing field hockey and had like a built-in like support group and like feeling of belonging within my team. Yeah, it was um, like establishing, I like I went out more and I was known to be like a more social, like outgoing person. And I was like, guys in high school, I was like the shy twin. Like, and now I'm like the outgoing, whatever one. I was the one like peer pressuring people to be like, come on, let's go out. It's fine. So something else that I've been uh, accused of, not in a bad way, but people have mentioned that they, they feel like I'm kind of like living out you know, my high school oppressions and things that I wish I could have done yeah. uh, in high school. And like, I'm kind of living those out now, which I don't necessarily disagree with. Do you feel, um, do you feel like you were, once you started becoming more comfortable, do you, and you said you definitely, you know, wished you kind of, you know, had that mindset a little bit more when you were younger, but as you were getting older and you were like now doing these things, do you, do you feel like you were compensating for what you lost in time in doing these things? Yeah, I think a little bit for sure. I definitely had a mentality of like, okay, I was so focused on school and sports before, like, and I had social aspects and I didn't feel like that was completely lacking in high school, but I, it just wasn't, I was totally fine in high school being like, nah, I can't really go to that because I got this other thing going on in college. I was like, man, I don't want to miss out. And now I don't know. Now I'm like somewhere in between. So yeah, a little bit like, so when I lived in the Dominican Republic, like in my twenties and in New York, right after college, I went out a bunch, but like, it was a very much uh, the same kind of, and I hate this phrase, but a work hard, play hard. I I despise that kind of phrase, but like, it still kind of was that like, I was still pretty intense about like my school or job or whatever it is I was doing and wanted to be successful, but then also still like wanted a release, I guess more. So yeah, I think I don't regret, I don't regret how high school went. I have really fond memories of high school. I, I wish, I actually wish that I had had a better perspective and didn't take everything so seriously as much as I did. However, like that opened up a lot of doors for me and brought me to experiences that have been so impactful in my life and friendships that I have 
and things that like I wouldn't want to give up for the world. So I I don't know. Like I is why I wouldn't I wouldn't change. I don't think I would change high school that much. I mean, you can't have it all, I guess, all the time. Although right now I want to. <laughs> oh, I, I think um, I, I I try to come to those realizations of like appreciating the type of person that you are. And, you know, when I think about the person that I am, is, that I am as far as like creativity, I probably couldn't be that this person if I didn't, if I didn't live the life I lived where I spent, you know, as a teenager, you know, time on the internet as a chat room moderator and, Right, you know, learning, yeah. learning how to, you know, illegally download stuff and, and just getting involved. Certainly was that in college for right. a big time. Yeah. 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 So like, you know, I was just, I've just always been involved in with like media stuff and, you know, just trying to figure out how to get myself into media. And those are the things that I would do in my spare time. Only child come right. home, listen to music, go on the internet, play with programs on the computer of making music and video and figuring it all out. Um, so now who I am doing interviews on my computer. <laughs> right. No, which I, I mean, I think, yeah. So I, I like to think about maybe why I did stuff. I like to figure out like what makes people tick and do what they do. I still find though, and I try and do this with myself, but I still find that I have, uh, you know, it's still harder to do that to yourself rather than to see the outside perspective from someone else. But I still think I'm trying to figure it all out I don't yeah yeah you never you never it's and that's the frustrating part is you know I I think I have it figured out and then something happens that I realize makes me feel differently and I think well why do I feel that way and it makes me mad I I, you know because I can't define it and I can't and I I don't know what it is and and you just think like oh I I guess I just must be changing and you have to accept that and let that happen and, and figure out how you're going to adapt Right. Which is for sure a difficult thing. And I feel like there's, I was better at adapting and dealing with some stuff, I think better in. So what I think I miss as like an adult or even by college, like a very big struggle for me going from high school to college was I felt prepared, but I also felt like I, I liked, I functioned much better under like the more structured environment of high school. And having somebody like it was why it was really good that I was still on a team, like having some parameters that like I I have committed to and I will continue to do and like shape certain things. I as an adult, I find it really difficult to like maintain that level of like intensity or anything that I used to do all the time. I find it much harder as an adult to do that. So if you're not, if it's not your work environment, that's giving this to you, like you have to create it for yourself. And I struggle with that more than, um, more than I think I knew beforehand. Cause I didn't really actually have the opportunity to, like, I would go through transitions, but there was always some sort of like safety net for me, I think before. Well, you know, it's funny because- Does that make any sense? Am I- Yeah, yeah, because, you know, I went to film school and- Yeah. I mean, through high school, I wasn't very great at, I don't know, I don't want to undersell myself, but I wasn't great at stuff. I I had talents, but I don't think I was able, like, really good at mastering a specific skill. See, Um, I feel the same way. Yeah. Yeah. But I thought when I got to college, I got- I got pretty good in creating media. You know, I did radio and I did, and I did video and film and writing and editing. And 
And I think in all those, I was pretty happy with all the stuff that I did, but I think more so I really mastered a schedule. And, you know, I, when I got to temples, by the time my senior year came, when I think about how the type of schedule I used to cut pretty much all the way from like, so like say 05, when I, when I started my senior year, cause I graduated a year, a year later, but going from like 05 and then going all the way to like maybe 09, when, when I got done my year and a half at WWE, the type mm-hmm. of schedule I used to cut, cut for those four years is pretty ridiculous. The amount of travel that I did, the amount of sleep that I didn't take. Um, yeah. And the energy I had, and then the social life that I, I did on the outside of that, it's it probably took like seven years off of my life because oh, I sure. used because I went yeah. hard. And I think when I graduated, I had this thing in my brain that said, "Now you don't have anything you have to do, right? Because you're not nothing's due, right? And this is before I had a real real job where you're doing projects and you're doing like things with deadlines." This is when, when I graduated college, I was still at Wawa. So it was just, you go to Wawa every day, you do this. And I was a corporate. So it was just like, you just go here and you do this stuff for the company every day. And that's cool. But it, it was when I left there and I was like 20, I was like uh, 29 or 27. Yeah. That I said, okay, how do I structure the things that I want to do in my life that no one's paying me for, but I know is going to better my life? How do I do those things and do them successfully and put them out and, that was really hard to do without any type of an institution that I really existed in between college and when I, and WWE, that it was yeah. just kind of set up for me to just use your talent. Right. Oh, okay, great, great, great. Now it's use your talent, but also do it. In a so, time. but what spurred you to do that? Cause that's really like, I mean, being able to recognize that that's what you needed is. Well, uh, like a, a, a accomplishment in and of itself, I feel like, right? Like recognizing that that's what you needed to do to, in order to, to. I didn't know. I, I didn't know you that. You started doing it. I, I didn't know that I was like excelling then until I felt like I was failing okay. after the fact. And you think what's different and, and even have like friends that say like, man, I remember when you used to like, you used to be able to party all night and then you do the dishes and then you'd like, you'd edit for like six hours and, and it's yeah. like, what happened? It's like, I would just go like, eh, I'm old. No, I just, I just, I'm not using my time as wisely as I was, or like, you know, I, my mind's not constantly on. I take way more breaks in, in life in, you know, I, I can go hard for a couple of days and then I'll have two days where I just go, I felt like I've done enough. And that's a horrible like mentality to get into, but I know it's because I don't have a five day a week, thing saying here here's your things i have to create that for myself it's almost like a a teacher with a lesson plan i have to create my own lesson plan and then teach myself and learn you know what i mean like it's right no it's it's that's a hard thing to to maintain yeah i really struggle with that outside of in my adulthood that's the hardest thing for me yeah no i i for sure do i um and i also used to have a lot of different jobs that would give that kind of structure or something and now I don't. So um, it's like, I mean, the reason I can do this right now, thank you, COVID, right? Like I am unemployed right now. um, And I'm really like this year, I'm struggling to, because everything has been before. Like I've been so trained, I think, to, to, to view success and whatever as like, Oh, you've reached this thing. You've, 
you're in this benchmark and you're doing this and whatever, like things that don't really matter, you know, that I think that's how, I don't think it's my parents necessarily. I think it's more just like societal, like how, I don't know how. Well, it's funny you say. Meritocracy kind of like you have to achieve this to, I don't know. Um, or the people I have been surrounded by for so long, which again, were motivating, but also I remember getting to college and just like feeling like exhausted and just like breathing like a sigh of relief of like, okay, can I take a break yet? Like, wow. it's like, and then finishing, finally finishing college because college was the same way of like, I mean, there was structure, but I really struggled with the fact that it wasn't as structured and like, I would try and go do something, but then like, you know, eight hours later, I was still sitting in the library or like not doing like whatever. And uh, so like the lack of that structure in college was difficult for me. And then I found afterwards, like I've never, I've never figured out how you were saying before, like I've never felt that I was like insanely good at anything. I just always worked hard and like, I liked a lot of things, but nothing was like, this is my passion. And so like for choosing like what I want to do in life, I still feel the same way. I'm like, do I want to do that forever? I don't think it's like, I'm not that passionate about it that I want to do it forever. So what um, major, what was your major at Princeton? Oh, history. Wow. Latin American history. Yeah. Whoa. So, okay. that. But I also thought I initially did like some pre-med stuff. I took chemistry. I took calculus there. I did. Um, I thought maybe I'd be like an econ major. Then I thought maybe I'd be like a psychology major. And then I finally, like, I was so freaked out by like having to choose because again, I was like putting too much pressure on myself because I was like, whatever I choose is my major. Like, this is what I'm going to have to do with my life. And like, I don't know what I want to do with my life. Yeah. So I was a Latin American history major. <laughs> That's so funny that you felt so structured because it sounds like, if anything, that's the one thing your parents didn't push on you was any type of structure, but you really had this concept of like. So they did in terms of like, which is what I need to work on creating for myself. Like we always had dinner. We always got up. Like I could like, even though I like stayed up later to, to study, like by like 1130, like my parents were like, you got to go to bed this is still too late. Like even 11 o'clock, it was like too late, like sleep, like this is time for like, so there was like, like eating time, whatever time, like there was that kind of structure. And I think also too, the fact that we didn't have like internet and like everything to like as many distractions growing up, like I'm thankful that I did not have those. But so they did in terms of that structure, but they didn't put pressure to like have to do something, you know? Yeah. So it seems, it, it seems so odd that you had that pressure on yourself of like have to pick this major have to move forward with this have to like reach these goals right yeah. these kind of like phony I don't know goals. where I was getting them from yeah yeah that's so funny I don't know where that comes from uh part of my DNA I guess we're being surrounded by people all the time that like were so overachieving so I was went from Princeton to living in New York, which I feel like that is a person, a level of intensity if someone's like living in New York. And then I uh, moved back to Philly and did a post back program because I was a history major. So I did all my like science classes at Penn. 
and lived at home, which was interesting and commuted like down to Penn and did like a post-bac program and did like all the sciences that I didn't do in um, college that I needed for med school. Then I moved to the Dominican Republic, but like the expat community is a lot of like-minded people, but also like kind of intense too. Like I was all like really high achieving people. <laughs> so then I was surrounded by them there, like state department people, um, other like public health people. And then I went to med school, which was equally intense people. And then I started teaching, which I guess that varies. Science. So what happened that you, that you start with history, but then you end up in med school? How does that transition? I, um, don't know what I want to do. <laughs> no, um, I mean, so you're doing have, history and then you, you what? I mean, you're doing Latin American history and you realize you don't want to. I, so I wanted to do, um, I wanted to work for a human rights organization. And I did research on like the, like atrocities in Latin America, um, human rights atrocities. So my like thesis was on like the dictatorship in Argentina from 76 to 83 and I chose it because I got to go to Argentina also. Well, it was interesting to me, but like, like I mean, and there was like torture and 30,000 people just like disappeared. Um, oh, right. This is podcast. So they, or we'll see, well, this is going to be YouTube too? It can be on YouTube. Yeah, people oh, can see it on YouTube. That makes me cringe a little bit. Mm -hmm. but, um, come to YouTube to see the air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did. Uh, I wanted to work for, I was thinking a human rights organization. So in order to do that, like be a lawyer, but that was only when at one point, like, I mean, in college, I was a full sitter. This is when I thought I wanted to be a vet. So on Friday nights, me and my one friend would volunteer at like, it's called the Mid-Atlantic Equine Center. And we would do like eight hour shifts because Friday night was not like a going out night in Princeton. A phone sitter? Full. Yeah like a baby horse. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I would go and um, we would like administer like medication and stuff to, and take care of like mares and foals that were having problems. And like at the surgical center, cause in Jersey, there's like a really big like equine surgical center on the East coast. So I would do that. And that's when I thought I wanted to be a vet. And I also did like some uh, oncology stuff in Philly right after freshman year, like summer, thinking that I wanted to maybe be a doctor. Oh. And then I was like, no, maybe I want to be a, a lawyer and work for a human rights organization. So then um, I, my major was history. I did lots of human rights stuff. And then I worked at a, a law firm right out of college. Wow. But I chose, like, it was like a really big firm in New York. And I worked in a real estate group though. So that was giving me no indication of what it would be like to be a real estate lawyer. I mean, sorry, a human rights lawyer. And, but throughout the whole thing, I was like, wow, I just need um, more people interaction. Cause you, I liked some of my, I liked a lot of my coworkers, but they were also miserable. The, all the lawyers were miserable. And the other legal assistants and I, like I had no life. Like I made okay money in New York. And I got to take like a black car home when a deal would go late, but I'd work till like four o'clock in the morning and then I'd come in at 10 and then I'd work it till like when a deal was closing or something. And I had crazy, like corporate America, crazy hours. And I was just like, you know, I'm not able to like do anything that I actually like, I haven't been to a museum yet in New York and I haven't done like, mm -hmm. I wasn't able to like do much. 
Um, and I just, throughout the time I was like, I don't, I don't know. I was doing like financings on like a big hotel that was going to be built or something. And was I was it? like, great. I just like printed out this sheet from my computer and it's worth $3 million, $3 billion. Cause, and I literally just typed it up. And if I lose this right now, I'll probably lose my job and it's not going to be built for another 10 years. So I'm not going to like, there was not enough immediacy with it. No instant gratification. Right. So I left and I started working um, at Columbia in um, eating disorder research. And yeah. Um, how, do you, how do you go from being a Latin American history major to being a lawyer at a real estate office? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what won't be shocking is in a couple more years, I'm going to find out I have ADHD. <laughs> Can't help it. And the reason why I felt so exhausted my entire life wow. is because it has been so exhausting. You're changing <laughs> careers every every four and a half years. Is uh, yeah, and I'm still on that track, and I'm trying to figure out what I need to do now. How has um dating during COVID been? It's tough. Yeah. Uh, to any of the girls that might be <laughs> watching this, watching, or yeah. this now, I salute you. You know, uh, you know. It, you, um, it's really hard, especially, you know, talking about the things that I've talked about with like, where people say like, I might be trying to live out the things that I, I was maybe I didn't get to do in high school or whatever, you know, you're trying to yeah. like get that part out. It's really tough in the, in that way. And, and probably the way that I date to go into relationship. And I'm not a, I'm not a, a person to cheat or anything like that. And so I don't go into a relationship where there's a pandemic. Or I don't, I don't go out with someone in a pandemic with the idea of I'm going to go out with five different girls. And I can not, do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish it was me, but it's not. And what that leaves you with now, if I was just dating and this was there was no pandemic, sure, maybe go on a date or two and try to date a few different people and see kind of what feels like the right click. But in this day and age, you're so, I feel kind of not stuck, but I feel like I have to be somewhat um, committed to just hanging out with one person. Even yeah. if you're just trying to get to know each other. And that can be a really tough mind fuck because you oh, for sure. Like I was the same, had a similar mentality in, in dating. Like I was always wish I could maybe date other people or multiple people at once, but I'm, I get too like focused on like, I can't, I can't, I can't keep multiple people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, I could be okay with it in the normal world and like a date here, a date here. And then I probably fall off of, and I just end up with one girl within two weeks anyway. Yeah. But like in COVID, I, I just have a thing in my mind where I can't, I can't get out of my mind that I'm, I'm prematurely committed. Yeah. And that's a horrible so, thing to, to go into thinking I'm not ready. I, I need time. And then you start putting time limit and you go, oh. well, if, if I'm not truly in love with this girl in the next, like, month and a half where I don't feel yeah, like that's a, a dangerous, dangerous slope. Yeah. But, but I don't want to feel like, and I'm 37. I don't know if you have these feelings, but like, I don't want to feel like I'm losing time. And I know it's so much different for women, right? You talked about not even thinking about like family life until you were so much older. Oh, except that now, like I have a moment in med school where they like literally put up on the screen, like in a lecture. And it was like fertility. Like everyone's like, Oh, you're clocking, whatever. And I'm like, okay, whatever, whatever, whatever. You watch the the line. I, I I remember sitting in lecture and just being like, fuck. Like, 
it was just this like from 30 maybe even under it was just like a downward slope and i was like god damn it because i started med school at 28 wow. so i already was like above like most yeah anyway so um it's for sure it's something that you have to be aware of later in the game but i also feel like that's a little bit liberating in the sense of like all right are you like still here to fuck around or are you serious about something and like let's stop like because i at one point did like uh i guess probably in med school time i did like some of the online apps and all that stuff and like i mean you can just find such a variety of people that like some people might be interested in something serious some people might be interested in just like texting you forever <laughs> like <laughs> which um i so i find that it's a little liberating that you can just be like look we're both like 37 later whatever like what do you want my my problem is that i could feel good about it for two weeks three weeks four weeks a month month and a half and then i just go you know i don't feel like i'm grow like i'm growing closer and, and worse i'm looking out at other things grass is greener and i'm yeah. wishing that i was having the opportunity to at least explore just yeah. so i know for myself like hey dude you know and I just feel like, and while I'm not looking to have like just wild COVID sex yeah. in a normal world, yeah, when you're when you've gone out with someone for like four weeks, I don't think it's imp I don't think it's crazy to have a date with someone else just to kind of test to see how you're feeling if you if you think you might have a spark with someone, and when all you have is to be stuck in that mind of how do I feel about this person, and and maybe not everyone thinks like that. Some people might just live in the moment and not compare. I can't help but compare with everything. How does this compare to something else? This other thing? No, I mean, like humans are set up to do that, which is why social media is such a terrible. Oh, I haven't mentioned my fiance is Jewish. Oh, awesome. So I also um, am entering into a, not by racial, but by. Faith. Uh, I, yeah, faith. what is it? Multi-faith? Interfaith? Interfaith. 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 Do you feel like you need to marry a Jewish girl? I struggle with this all the time. Yeah. All the time. Anytime I date someone, if she's Jewish. Like, are you on J-Date? No. Okay. I've never been on J-Date. <laughs> I, when I think about like my life, I can't imagine my life not celebrating Jewish holidays. Because but does, but does the your partner need to be Jewish to celebrate the Jewish holidays or I'm not Jewish enough to know what the fuck I'm doing? Okay. I <laughs> so need, no. <laughs> I need a Jew to like say, like, okay, this is Yum hey, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are coming up in like three weeks. The way that my mom lets me know when I need to get when I need to put it on my calendar to get ready to come for dinner, I need I need a wife that's gonna be able to do that for me. It, it, having it in my life, I feel like I would be really sad if it wasn't there. And I don't trust myself to be to be able to keep it in my life on my own. And, yeah. I, and I don't know how I feel about not having it in if I could have kids to have it in my kids life. Right. If, if we're just doing Christmas, because it's on me to do Jewish holidays, I, I don't know how well I do. But gotcha. you know, yeah. I don't know how to say this in any other way. There's so many pretty girls that aren't Jewish. Right. <laughs> and and right. I hate yeah. to say like, wow, this girl looks like she's the girl of my dreams. 
and this is what this is what people mean when they say I'm I'm immature. You know, my, yeah. my view of like love or or relationships is very immature. And I go, she's so pretty. She's my dream girl, but she's not Jewish. I would hate to lose that opportunity. So what's your what's your dream girl? Be anything. It it, it really like there's it, it starts I think with looks. Usually yeah. it starts with looks and then it goes into like other things. And I think every time I meet a girl, I find the other things that it, it goes into that I a thought that a I didn't think were as important as they are. Okay. But B, they're more important than I thought they were. Okay. I and that's find, the problem with COVID. Yeah. That, oh, yeah, for sure. I can't imagine. COVID, that, that is the problem is that I, I have a, I have trouble weighing these, these, all these different characteristics and what do I truly want to do? And being 37, I don't want to fuck around. And I feel like I kind of want to make a decision on how do I feel in the first few months. And if I don't feel it, I want to kind of roll. Yeah. And I don't know that that's like a bad thing. Um, I mean, so I would say like, if you're giving like a couple of weeks or like a couple of dates versus if it's a couple of months, depending on how much time you've spent with the person, like you have, you probably have a sense at that point, right? Like, no, I don't, I don't trust my own brain. Oh, so, okay. So I have a friend, um, cause I would say that the majority of my friends, are now getting like married and kids and whatever. And I used to be one of the last, well, I am still the last cause I'm not married yet. And I just got engaged like a couple months ago. Nice rock. Yeah, he did a good job, but all on his own too. He didn't ask anybody. Wow. Uh, yeah, I was impressed. But so I've, I, I've had the same like, well, I'm getting older. And like, now that I finally know that I actually before I was like, I don't know if I want a family and all this stuff. And I was so like career driven. And now I'm just like, God, do I want to be a stay at home mom? Like there's, I weigh between like that, like a part of me just wants to be like a stay at home mom that like helps with a nonprofit or something or like helps in the community versus like having a career. Um, and I don't know, I, uh, don't know which one will win out. But at this point, like, I have to still prioritize, like, I'm 37. There's only so much. I mean, and for men, it's a, a, a little bit easier, but your sperm gets old, too. Like, you and don't want to wait too long. What? No, my parents are 11 years apart. Yeah. Oh, and that's difficult as well, too. I, I don't, you know, this sounds horrible, but I don't, I don't want to be the 45-year-old that is you know has to stay has to keep looking for girls you know 10 to 15 young. Years. yeah yeah younger than him because i want to have kids um and and i even go through that where you know I, i'll meet women who don't have interest in having kids yeah and you know you, you you maybe don't know it right away and then you find out second date or third date and then you just go like well she seems cool I maybe I'm okay with like not having kids and meeting someone that as a grown up I just like to do everything with. She's the person I want to have fun with. Right. And and we're going to just spend the rest of our lives traveling and just laughing and having a great time. You know at 37 I would hate to be I would hate to be 46 and think about the girl that I dated when I was 37 
that yeah. didn't want to have kids. And I shut her out after we dated for a few months because I was adamant about having kids. And then I never met that girl that I was going to have kids with. And I go, boy, I wish I had had the last five to seven years with that, that person. Yeah. But if, I mean, yes. Right. But like, you're never going to know that. Like, so you have to at least take the chance that like, so, I mean, if having a family and having kids is important to you, then like, I don't think you should necessarily sacrifice that. Like you can still find someone. It's definitely, I mean, dating in your thirties, I've, I've found to be extremely difficult. And the fact that like, you're finding like divorced people already, right? Like, like your options in your thirties are like someone who hasn't gotten married at all. Then you're like, okay, why haven't you gotten married? But then I'm like, okay, but I'm the person that hasn't gotten married either. Right. I'm the, right. I'm the red so I'm like, flag. Okay. But it's me too. But, or it's people that are like newly divorced and maybe late thirties, early forties, something like that. With a um, or even I, I, I knew a couple people that were like early thirties that were just divorced and they got married like really young or something right out of college. But I don't know. Like, I feel like having a family is such a big enough thing that I, that's something you'd have to decide on before. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I, I do. I want a family. And yeah. I, whenever someone says they're not sure, that's a that's like, a oh, this probably isn't going to. I think I have a problem with standing up for those things so blatantly and saying, right. well, who am I? to say that, Hey, you don't, I don't think this is going to work because you don't, I feel like I'm almost placing judgment on someone's values when they say they don't want a family that it can take me. It, it's hard for me to say, got to break it off because I just yeah. go, well, you, this may not happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, I mean, you have to, I, I mean, even as someone who's like about to get married at some point now, like, I'm like, oh, I'm 37. Like, will I be able to have kids? I don't know. Like, will it happen? I don't know. Um, I like, you don't know. Like, I've spent my whole life trying not to get pregnant, so I don't know. I don't know. I will say though. So my fiance, when we first, I mean, I and I tried because so I think for women, especially later in life, like. I didn't want to seem like I was just like, oh my gosh, do you want to have a kid? Like, and be too aggressive about that because I feel like that always scared off people. So I would always try my best to like, even though it was a question in my mind, not bring it up for a while to not seem like it was like something big or like too scary, I guess, or to scare somebody off. Yeah. But, um, I think my fiance's initial question to having kids was maybe. And I was like, huh, this might not be good. But then I was like, okay, I'm not going to push it. Like, we'll see. And then um, before I finally moved out to California, I was like, okay, but I got to know for real, like, have you decided yet? Like, and like, so it was, but this is after probably like a year and a half of dating. Wow. Yeah. Um, is that your longest relationship? Uh, right now, now we've been together for almost three, three years. And yes, this is my longest relationship. Was the year and a half the longest relationship at that point? No? Okay. That was like tied. I dated a Dominican American guy for a year and a half. 
Okay. That was the first time I was like, oh, maybe I want to get married and have kids. I could like see that for myself. And that was when I was like 27, 28. Okay. Right as I left for med school, I I, uh, ended with this guy, other guy. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, I was, it was a questionable thing, but I, and I also was like, I don't want to feel like I've like, um, convinced him to have kids when he doesn't want to have kids. Cause yeah, you like, you never Nick- want, you don't want to Nikki Bella him. Right. Yeah. You're like, you don't want, you don't want that at all. I don't know. It's been convincing enough. Like I think his mentality before was like, well, if it happens, it maybe happens. But now that we're together, like we want to have a family and build a life together and he's like all about it and I didn't necessarily I had some reservations initially which I don't know if I would push if I was even older because when I first started dating I guess I was like 35 34 something like that right right yeah um for you then uh what's what's your fiance's name Adam Adam so then meeting how do you meet adam in your life so you you were at princeton uh and then you do all these awesome really high level jobs that you actually have no real interest in pursuing i do i do but i i mean i loved my jobs all the jobs but i just don't know if they were sustainable but then how do you end up up in i want to get to the point where you you met where you meet adam and but you're also in med school how do you go to med school from you're in the middle now, you're like two years out of college and you're working this job you don't even want to be doing. How do you get to med school from there? Well, you went to New York. I did, yeah. Uh, you go, you were part of like this super group of like Uma and, and your brother and uh, yeah. Weiss and, and Heather Beck. And yes. I see you guys on Facebook. I see what's so, going on. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, first thing like, um, Katie Eveland also is in New York. And when we graduated from college, we lived, we both lived in Chelsea and she lived with like two of her friends from Penn state. I lived with a Princeton friend and then a rando from like a Princeton list who went to Middlebury. She was awesome. I love her. She's great to Salia. We both, we, we live like a couple blocks away from each other. So it was really awesome because like, She's been one of my best friends forever. And then, but I, there's various times that have gone through life where maybe we're in a little more contact or not as much contact as we have been. But so like living so close to each other in New York, like we really reestablished, like we could go over to each other's places all the time. Like I go to her apartment all the time. We'd meet up for drinks. We'd like all that stuff. I traveled around Europe right after college, like sounding super um like privileged and white i'm going to i'm going to europe for the summer i'm gonna turn i'm going to backpack yeah exactly i don't know it was just i mean like figuring your life out through traveling was pretty cool and then i came back and i was like okay i'm gonna try and help people by being a human 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 rights lawyer didn't happen and then i was like, okay, I think I want to go back to medicine. Hence the going back to Columbia. And I worked at the eating disorder clinic because for medicine, you need like so many different things to be able to even apply. Mm -hmm. And you need 
work experience and I thought the work experience I had was too long prior. So I did that for a while, which was actually really cool. And I realized at that point, so many people that I knew like came out of the woodwork and were like, hey, I have an eating disorder. Once I said I like worked at an eating disorder uh, place, so many people came out of the woodwork and were like, wanted to tell me about it. And then I did my post program. And then I just, I had the opportunity to, I, I just cold emailed a doctor from Columbia that I knew started a clinic in the Dominican Republic and was like, Hey, do you have any job opportunities? And like, this is me and I'm interested in this. And I used to work here and blah, blah, blah. And he did. And I, so I applied and interviewed and got, it was basically just like a volunteer position that I had like a stipend for. And I wanted to, I thought like spending time in Latin America prior to med school would be like, if I went to med school, I would just be sucked in and I would keep going and I would never live abroad and I wouldn't be able to do it. It also helped that at that point in time, that's when I was like figuring out that I had ADHD and was really struggling to, so standardized tests were never my forte, despite the fact that obviously I was successful. But I education is like weighed by Scantron standardized tests. Right. And I, I, I just don't, I don't do as well, but obviously I still do. Okay. Right. Like I'm not, woe is me, (laughs) but I always just thought like, I work really hard. Like I'm not that smart and I work really hard. And then I finally got to the point where I was like, no, I'm pretty smart. Yes. Yeah. But like, I just don't think the same way that everybody else thinks. And I take longer to do certain things. And I also like growing up, like I know ADHD was a thing that people started to be diagnosed with, but I felt like when we were growing up, like it wasn't as big of a thing or not not legitimately. Right. Or it was like, oh, you're just like, it was like, you're a hyperactive boy. And I don't know. Like the, the old rules of how you would diagnose somebody with it. So, and then also I think I had the preconceived notion that a lot of people have that like, if you have ADHD, you're not as smart, which is definitely not true at all. Yeah. So when I was like studying for the MCAT and med school stuff, I, so particularly for the MCAT, like it's an eight hour, uh, back then it was in, I think an eight hour test. Wow. And so it's like all these different sections and it's just like, no, or maybe that one's a six hour test, but whatever. I mean, and then you get into med school and they're like eight hour tests. So it's just like stamina and terribleness and like, how well can you take? Oh yeah. I, this is wine now I've moved on to. Like, basically I feel like those tests are how well can you learn to take a standardized test? And I've, that's never been my forte. I've always like, kind of just like skated by. And so I really struggled for the MCAT to succeed. So when I would take extra time, when I was doing like practice tests, I'd get really awesome scores. And then when I finally sit for the actual test, I was not, I like would cancel it or I wouldn't get as good as scores. Like I knew it wasn't happening. Like I wasn't finishing in time and all this stuff. So I finally went to see someone, which was, you don't get extra time for the MCATs. You could, I guess, had you known that you had ADHD and applied for it. You didn't know. No. So I just was like, oh, I can't finish in time. And then I finally went to see somebody 
And they were like, yeah, you got ADHD. Cause like, I would think back to then high school and middle school, I would never, you know, when they would get like, be like, oh, read this paragraph. And then like, we're going to talk about it. I'd be like halfway through the paragraph and be like, I haven't gotten to the end yet. And hopefully like, I would just like go off of like, if somebody else was asked a question first and I'd be able to like think about something or pose something from that or continue reading while somebody else was being asked a question first or like for math, like can never do mental math. Like I don't have that like short-term, I, I like it's terrible. Like I have to write stuff down, yeah. but like I did really well in calculus and like, did I, like when I can write stuff down and like think about it analytically and take the time to do it, I can do it. But if immediately you're like, what's whatever times, whatever. I'm like, uh, <laughs> let me write that down and figure it out. So yeah. So I was finally diagnosed with ADHD only after my post-bac program and studying for the MCAT. And then I was like, oh, this makes so much sense to why I was like so exhausted all the time. Cause like, I would just work so much harder to, to compensate. Like I would do my homework at home and I would read stuff. And then you'd be like, I didn't read any of that. Like, and have to go back and read it again. And I was just so disciplined that I would do it for hours <laughs> until I got it. So I, uh, gosh, now, yeah, I actually debated, do I tell all the failures that I've had, but I feel like I should, cause it'll be liberating. Right. Yeah. Um, I did really well in my postback program and I did not do, I did okay in college, but didn't do great. And like to get into med school, you need really good scores of everything. Right. So in my post-bac program though, I, I did very well and I got a conditional acceptance to Jefferson through like, yeah, like there's a connection with the post-bac program at Penn that if you, like I applied and I interviewed and I got accepted conditionally, as long as I got certain scores on my MCAT, mm -hmm. but this was right when I was deciding or figuring out like, oh my gosh, I have ADHD and I'm not doing as well in the MCAT as I think I should be. Yeah. So I did not make my scores. And so I lost my conditional acceptance. And that's actually when I first moved to the Dominican Republic. Okay. And like with the, I don't know, the like silly saying of like one door closes, another one opens. Like if I hadn't moved to the Dominican Republic, like there's just so many influential, like life-changing things and relationships that I developed there that like, if that hadn't happened, I don't, yeah, I would be a completely different person today. And I, I wouldn't like myself as much. I think went back, I took the MCAT, but then like applying to med school takes so long. So it's like a year long process. So then I moved back to the DR again and taught in a private high school in the capital. So I lived in a remote, like a smaller town, La Romana. And then I moved to Santo Domingo, the main capital. And I taught in a high school. And then also applied for med school and was like, okay, if I get in, I get in and we'll see. And unfortunately I got in. So then I couldn't like, I was like, God damn it. It would be much easier if I just didn't get in. And like this door was closed. Um, but I got in to the university of South Florida and I had come back and I changed my residency to Florida. My parents had bought a house there. Just and so, yeah. Oh, no, I specifically changed my residency to Florida because there were more state schools in Florida. The only one for Pennsylvania is Penn State and their med schools in Harrisburg. And I was like, I don't want to fucking live in Harrisburg. Florida has uh, 
like four or five state schools that you could apply to. And I wanted to do it as cheaply as I possibly could. So I got in, they accepted my Florida residency. And then I was just like, well, I don't know what else to do. So I guess I'm going to go. And I have always been interested. So besides teaching, then I started working for the Clinton Health Access Initiative, which is like the Clinton Foundation, Bill Clinton. Yeah. And that was HIV clinics. And also I was like closing them down as well as like setting up other, doing other work for um, their, right before I left the Dominican Republic, a big earthquake happened in Haiti. So in 2000, the January of 2011, okay. a giant yeah, earthquake yeah, happened. And so I was on a project that I was doing like disaster relief for the earthquake. And since everything was so shut down in Haiti, we, it was called like the land bridge project and everything had to be kind of shipped through the DR and I had to get it over on like trucks to Haiti. So everything from like, I was sourcing like rehydration salts once like the Nepalese UN forces dumped cholera into the water and made it endemic then to the, yeah. (laughs) There was like a cholera outbreak, earthquake happening. So then it was like dealing with all the earthquake stuff. And then also then like cholera happening and massive amounts of people dying. So it was like, sourcing like rehydration salts and like IV wow. bags as well as like koi fish. And I would like, cause they were building a hospital in the central plateau of Haiti. So I was like shipping all this stuff over. So my daily thing would be like talking to some guy that like sells koi fish and is like super rich in the Dominican Republic. And then I'd like yell at a Dominican truck driver and just be like, where the fuck's my materials? And why didn't you get them across the border fast enough? And then I came back to go to med school. And I was like, I know I'm going to be disappointed with this. Cause I went from Dominican Republic, awesome job, awesome group of friends to Tampa. And the average age of my med school class was 23, yeah. 24. And I was 28. And most of them had like never left the state of Florida. And I was like, Jesus Christ, this is terrible. Um, <laughs> it was a struggle. It was a struggle. And I was not the happiest time of my life. And then I still did well and was like really still like as much as I hated like the beginning part of med school of like classes and science and all that stuff. I mean, I did fine and whatever, but then before you start your third year, your clinical area. So I started my clinical stuff and I was like on internal medicine and I loved it. And like, I'd come home and be with my, like talk to my roommate and she'd be like, man, did you like, did you take something? Like, are you on something? Cause I was just like so excited and happy about like the patients I saw and what I did. And like, I was like so energized while sleeping, like not at all, but I could not get, uh, so I got accommodations for ADHD in med school and I didn't really use them except when I was taking like there's certification mm. tests that's called step one, two, three. So Step one is a lot of like rote memorization and like how well can you take a standardized test and all that stuff. And it's eight hours and whatever. And the national board of medical examiners wouldn't give me extra time because they said that I was, didn't have ADHD and I've been too successful to have ADHD because I went to Princeton and I got into med school 
And so um, I couldn't move to the next part of med school. My med school was like pretty antiquated and wouldn't allow me to do it versus like newer or Penn and some other like better med schools would let you continue on and take it later. They made me like put everything on hold as I had to wait to see if I could pass this test. Mm -hmm. So again, like in practice tests, same thing with the MCAT, like I would do really well. And then I needed like time and a half. So about what they give people with ADHD and they would not give me accommodations. Wow. So then I sued them, <laughs> which is really hard because they just can't find a lot of lawyers that do disability law. Um, oh, wow. I've never heard of that in my life. I was not expecting that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I sued the National Board of Medical Examiners, the NBME, the, but unfortunately the man won. And I got free representation from Disability Rights Florida. Mm -hmm. So that was a difficult thing to find because there aren't many lawyers that do disability law. And then of the ones that do like higher education disability law, there aren't very many and they mostly do college. And then they also charge you like just to like one for one letter, they'll charge you like $3,000. <laughs> so I, uh, my case was taken up by Disability Rights Florida, which was awesome. But then I was on hold for like two or three years. Wow. And I was just in this terrible holding purgatory pattern uh, where my med school wouldn't let me continue on. And I advocated for myself to try and like keep going because I was like, well, I've been really successful and I've passed everything else. And like, I'm not a danger to patients and blah, blah, blah. And they still wouldn't let me because of like administration changes and whatever. And I eventually, my case got kept getting pushed off, but it's Florida too. So it's like a lot of really conservative judges that were put in. The National Board of Medical Examiners, the NBME is actually based in Philadelphia. And they have the, they got this really big time firm out of DC to represent them. So it was all these DC lawyers flying in. I was deposed for like eight hours and they basically used like every positive thing that I've ever done in my life against me. And I actually had like, I had to get people from high school to say, so I had Miss Crangy, Miss Crangy. I don't know if you remember her. She yep. was my uh, basketball coach. And then yep. just someone who I had like, I had her for English and maybe sophomore year. Right. She wrote a letter speaking to like what I was like in high school, the big lawyers out of DC one. And if I wanted to continue it, I'd have to, to go to, you know, appeals court. And then that would have been a couple more years. And I was just like, I can't, I can't keep putting off my life. Yeah. Um, so that's when I uh, like left med school finally. And I'm, I still struggle with it today. So I've debated like, do I go be a PA or not? I don't know, but I started teaching. So then I became, I taught at a really rough school in St. Petersburg, Florida, mm -hmm. like an inner city school there. My kids had like ankle monitors and wow. um, like they would steal cars and, you know, came from really, really terrible backgrounds and like really had no one showing them the way <laughs> at all. No support at home, nothing like, and so I taught there and was like a science department chairman. It was like such a rough school that I was like, how am I as like a second year teacher, the science department chairman. And then I now moved out here. Was it, was it the engagement and was it your fiance moving out there that got you to California? Yeah, we actually met um, at a wedding. Two year, we did two years of long distance. 
Wow. Which I have never been a fan of long distance before. So he lives in California. Yeah. He lived out here the whole time. And I was in Florida the whole time. So it was pretty, pretty far away from each other. And we met at one of my college friends' weddings. They went to business school together. And I didn't think it would actually turn into anything because I was like, he lives in California and I live in Florida. And I don't know. I guess he likes me. (laughs) Well, that gives me like serious hope. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So we did two years of long distance. Uh, We still probably saw each other like once a month, Mm. once every two months. Wow. But initially it was like lots of texting and phone calls and he hates to be on the phone too. So he definitely put forth some effort. And then we connected. I think I went home to Philly for Thanksgiving And he has extended family in Philly. So we are able to like meet up there the first time without it being like a big kind of deal. And then after that, then we like specifically kept in touch and like made plans to see each other again. And then, yeah, then I was like, I think, I think we're dating. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And then uh, after two years of long distance, I moved out here. Wow. That gives me like serious hope because it's possible. Yeah, that's a situation that I think my mind would block off and go, no, Brad, don't even entertain. Like, there's no hope in that. You guys are 3,000. You're never going to move to, they're never going to. And that's like one of those things where you're not, you couldn't, if you were to, I I extrapolate out. You would never be able to extrapolate that out and make it work two two years prior. Never. That's cool. Um, And I have always been someone who was like, I never want to do long distance. That's silly. Not a fan of it. And, uh, and I would say like from doing long distance, like still not a fan of it, but like, it's still doable. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I actually almost think it was like better in terms of really getting to know someone and then having these, like, we would have like certain times like that were completely devoted to each other, like weekends or something, you know, that I do feel like it was one, it made things because I feel like I found before I would maybe get too into something and like move too quickly. And it would just be like, you know, an all or nothing kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And it was like a forced like break that forced you to like, just really get to know someone. Yeah. So it was actually, I think ended up being a positive, but I never would have thought. And then we had some pretty serious conversations before I, we drove across country together and he helped me like move all my stuff out. But yeah, I've never moved somewhere for someone or done any of that before. So that was definitely a new and a new frontier. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Let me ask you about like uh, the twin aspect in the high school. Were you aware of like the other twins in school or we have the uh, man young and and man and man thing. Yeah. I remember them. And so Liz, I think or, uh, uh, Susie so and Chrissy and Susie, Chrissy, the Novaks. I don't know. It's just a weird twin thing. I feel like uh, also when I got to college, I had a lot of twins around me too. So I think I differentiate though between like Men Young and Men Sang were identical twins. And so, so similar, looked very similar. I mean, you could still tell the difference between them. But, you know, genetically, like, they're the same. Yeah, you're looking Um, for nose size and moles at this point. Right, right, yeah. You're looking for very (laughs) slight differences. And even, like, 
personality wise, like more similar than not versus like Susie and Chrissy fraternal twins, like me and Andy, like two very different people, but like inherently will get compared against each other because they're twins. And, and the- I find though for, so I give like all props to Susie and Chrissy, like particularly when you're the same sex, like you get compared so much more and that must've been really difficult for them. I had a friend, a, a pair of twins in college that were friends that were fraternal girls. And for a little while they hated each other mm. and were not friends at all. And eventually became good friends. And then on my team in college, I had identical twins and they were like, you know, inseparable. Once you get to know them, like I could tell the difference between them from the way they walked just behind, like from behind or something, you know? So I don't know. And everyone always likes to ask like, well, what's it like being a twin? I'm like, well, like my life, I don't know. It, it hasn't been, I can't say what it's like to not be a twin. So what I can tell you is like, there's benefits and I, I would say mostly benefits actually, yeah. particularly from girl and boy twin. We still were compared against each other all the time and probably in unfairly so but a little bit less so because we were girl and boy I would find that Andy was more compared to our older brothers for like sports and stuff and like oh Jeff and Brian did this and this and so he had more of that comparison whereas I didn't have any girl before me to be compared to like that and it does kind of stink like people just automatically like categorize you into like this twin and that twin or whatever but it does i mean it's a part of your identity so i don't know um it's gotta be it's like a safety blanket for me i think yeah i think like looking looking from the outside it's kind of like you know no matter what type of hang-ups as far as how the outside world labels you it's got to be cool to know that you if you have a good relationship right yeah we you know, do, yeah. Sisters that don't that, that that don't get along or whatever, like, but like to if you have this relationship to be able to know that you've got this closeness that even like a that no other brother sister combo could ever possibly have, right? That, that you guys kind of have this thing as far as like when you're talking about like you know twenty first birthday going to Villanova and and to celebrate, but it's like wow, that's like a thing like your brother your whole life, and then you go down to his college town for twenty first birthday, like that's. Those are things it was that, really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Those are yeah. like things in life that other people will never, ever, ever be able to know. Susie and Chrissy, she was talking about how like somebody always dated somebody else and then, right? Like or sometimes they swap it off. Right. Know? Or swap whatever. So like there had to always be like, like if Andy like made out with one of my friends or something like, or I made out with one of his, neither one of us could get mad at it. Or it wasn't like, you just kind of like, it was just like a thing. Like that you couldn't, I don't know. Unspoken rule. Right, yeah. Like an unspoken thing of like, okay, we're doing this. And like, maybe you make a comment at some point, but like, we're not like, I don't know. Let each other live. Yeah. And at, like, at in the a same time around way. At the same time around each other, let each other live. Yeah. And, but always like, like Andy always has my back. It wasn't like we went and told each other everything that happened in the day or whatever, but like we still, he always, we invited each other to things. Like Katie is like another sister to him. Eric, both Eric's, Eric Melhorn and Eric Nelson feel like brothers to me. 
Chris Moss feels like a brother to me. I went um, to Chris Moss's wedding with Andy as his date. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Chris Moss. Haven't he's not very active on Facebook. I found him, but uh, yeah. but uh, we're gonna have to awaken that guy. He's a. Uh, we gotta talk about that fucking Nike, that Nike shaving in the back of his head. What did he do? Wait, he shaved what? a Nike emblem in the back of his head back in middle school. Did he? Yeah, we gotta, we're gonna have to talk about this. He thinks, I have uh, never the, been forgotten, Chris Moss. I remember you. <laughs> the picture I have as as like awkward middle school kids. We had a game where you put like a Velcro thing on your head and threw balls at each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. You remember that? I kind of do. It was like almost like a double dare type of. Type yes, yes, of exactly. Yeah. Well, let me ask you then. I don't know why I was talking about that. I, I, we, I, it was something I brought up, but let me ask you on that. Music in high school. Yeah. If you in tell high school? Me, you're going to tell me Dave Matthews band, aren't you? Okay, well, I mean, one of them for sure. But no, I mean, I still also loved, who else did I love? Okay, the first concert I ever went to, this is probably embarrassing, was Natalie Merchant. Oh, give me a Natalie Merchant song. I gotta look that up. God. I don't know if I can. But Katie and I went to a concert at the Man Music Center. I think she gave it to me as like a present. San Andreas Fault or something. Kind of emo-ish. I definitely went to a U2 concert, um, but I love like Nirvana and Tupac and Snoop Dogg and um, Outkast and all classic rock. And one of my favorite songs growing up was like a CCR song. Um, CCR. Credence Clearwater Revival. Oh, okay, yeah. Tom Petty, Billy Joel. I don't know. I have a very eclectic taste in music. I did go to uh, with Molly and the guy she was dating at the time, her senior year. I saw the roots at um, Penn's like Spring Fling. But in high school, like it sounds like like hip hop was. I would say hip hop. So my brother Brian, who was the senior when we were freshmen, really liked hip hop. Hop, but he loved all kinds of music too. So he was the first person that ever played Dave Matthews that I heard, but he was also like the person that played Wu-Tang that I would drive in his car and like the subwoofer was so loud. Like I would, like my eardrums would be vibrating. Lizzie, you listening to the Wu-Tang Clan is something I cannot. I know, but it happens. It happens. Favorite movie in high school? Favorite movie. Um... So, I mean, if I'm thinking just like general childhood movie, Goonies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I loved the Goonies. <laughs> Why? I think like the adventure part of it, mm. the camaraderie part of it, like a group of people that I think that's what I like about teens too. Everyone doesn't have to be from the same mold. But like you have a common thing that you all gather around and like can be friends around. And I don't know, I like the adventure part. And I think that like the teamwork, but like none, of, they, they like weren't all friends. Obviously yeah. some of them were. Maybe that part about it, I don't know. Back to high school, I was gonna ask you, did you have a favorite teacher? Oh, I did like Mr. Kumbi. 
Miss Cranji, I was close with. Miss Satinsky, the Spanish teacher, I was close with because she taught or she coached lacrosse at some point. Miss Call, I know she was not like super popular as a gym teacher, but she was a field hockey coach. So I developed a pretty good relationship with her. A very different relationship, I think, than a lot of other people had as just a gym teacher. You know what I mean? Oh, I loved Miss Harrigan. She was a math teacher that I had maybe freshman year. Miss McCracken was a lacrosse coach. I loved Miss Spies's class. Paige also mentioned Mr. Schwartz. I don't think he even knew who I was, but I did enjoy his class. Okay. Because I was a girl too, and he didn't like recognize girls' existence. <laughs> but I had him in like a split lunchtime. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that like split weird lunchtime? Yeah. Time? Yep. So, senior year calculus, I think it was a split lunchtime thing. So, it was right after lunch, and we just got back. And so, it was like, you know, he had like 20 minutes before and 20 minutes after, or something like that. It was December. And I had finally decided, so all I knew about college was that like, I wanted to decide early so it could just be fucking done. And I didn't want to have to deal with it. And like, I was stressed out and I was like, I just wanted it to be over with. So I applied early and my acceptance letter for Princeton came sometime like mid-December. And my mom is never one to to come into school and do anything to like embarrass. Like my parents were like, we never want to embarrass you, but she brought the letter. She was like, it's a big letter. Well, I bet. So I came back from lunch and I was like going to calculus, the second half of calculus class. And she's standing there in whatever fucking hallway it is. And she's like, it's big. It's big. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then it was like my acceptance letter to Princeton. So Andy will have a similar story for when he got his letter from Villanova? No, I don't think so. Yeah. (laughs) That's messed up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Pretty messed up. Yeah. Um, I I have absolutely no idea, actually. Well, I'm looking at your uh, I'm looking at your yearbook picture. Okay. Uh, and this would be the moment that if, if we were in person, I would ask you to sign. But uh, little do you know, there's no room for you to really sign because Kelly Brook took all the space. <laughs> above you. Your... I hate that picture. Really? Yeah. It looks like it looks like you. I know it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doesn't that say a lot? So this is a this is a, a a nice helping. All right, ready? Okay, I'm ready. Basketball nine and ten. Okay. Field hockey nine through twelve. Yeah. Lacrosse nine, eleven, twelve. Yeah, there we go. The ten, the ten's missing. Winter track eleven, twelve. Yep. National Honor Society eleven, twelve. Mm-hmm. Horticulture club ten through twelve. Yeah. Key club nine through twelve. Mm-hmm. Student Council, 9 through 12. Varsity Club, 9 through 12. Health Careers Club, 9 through 12. AIDS Peer Educator, 9 through or 10 through 12. 
<laughs> Gosh, I seem like such a dork. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you read my stuff, you'd be like, I want to be friends with her. <laughs> oh gosh yeah it's true right um yeah then don't, you don't have to hide it then hear that yeah yeah but you know what but the, i told you like you were a crush and so while you know didn't didn't maybe want to hang out with you and be friendly uh, <laughs> i'm still interested <laughs> You know, uh, you uh, it was like too over eager about everything. That's okay though, because it uh, it, like you said, it propelled you for the personality that you know that you needed to achieve what you achieved. Yeah, I've simmered down a bit now. Yeah, well, that's good for everyone to know then. <laughs> you quoted, you quoted uh, in 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 true academia fashion you, you oh, quoted eleanor roosevelt of course i did yeah what did i but what? the future belongs to those who believe in the beauty of their dreams of yeah thanks mom and dad for your love and support i couldn't have done it without you thanks to all my friends especially katie molly Anne. love you guys andy make your dreams come true my other brothers go fuck yourself <laughs> Your brothers don't get a shout out. Your other brothers don't get a shout out. I mean, they were reading that fucking yearbook. <laughs> yeah, I think this is this is the moment where I say I got nothing else. Lizzie, this has been this has been awesome. Uh so much fun. I know you I talk too much about myself. Nope. I wanted to know about yourself. I know, I feel really awkward about this. Nah, in editing, it'll all be cut up and whatever, and you'll be it'll be good. I promise. <laughs> All right. That was Lizzie Black. Um, we went so in depth on a lot of great topics, you know, dating, school, work experience. I felt like it was important for context as to who Lizzie was and had become today to kind of like put the entire conversation of, of these topics um, in there. And so it was really hard to, to edit this down for time. But Lizzie shared a lot of great stories that didn't make this episode. I could probably make another two podcasts out of them. So you never know. I was so comfortable laughing and talking with Lizzie. It was like 2.30 in the morning here on the East Coast by the time we finished. And as you hear, you know, we we're just letting the F-bombs fly at that point. And that's my kind of fun. I love exchanging stories about dating in your 30s, and it's motivating for me to hear Lizzie's story of, of how she met her fiance, especially because she didn't do much dating in school, which is similar to myself. So listening back to this interview, though, I just wanted to scream at myself for overthinking everything when I'm dating. So I don't know. It's a little calming to know that if you just see what happens, something good might come out of it. I could talk forever about how much fun I had with Lizzie. And I probably will for the next couple of weeks. But I think the best part of our talk is when Lizzie decided to talk about what she called her failures or imperfections or struggles with testing and med school and the pressure she put on herself to even not really have a definition of what it is that she wants out of life. It makes me feel, I don't know, less crazy to, to hear someone else verbalize it. And it makes me happy to know Lizzie has found this to be very freeing for her.
you can see Lizzie and myself and my goofy smile uh, up on YouTube at RedshirtPlaya, youtube.com slash RedshirtPlaya. Uh, this video and uh, others like the Skulls movie review, the three-part reunion special with all the previous guests, and my talk with Jessica Ignon. In two weeks, my guest will be my first ever friend on the podcast. On the spark of the Paul Cannon episode, I decided to reach out to George Barreca, and I thought now might be the time to finally talk to someone I hung out with. So what's cool about George is that while I was friends with George in high school, he was in Catholic school prior to arriving in Wissahickon, except for his very first year in kindergarten, where we were actually in the same class with Mrs. Jones at five years old. So we'll talk about our Madison Avenue memories, George's move to a completely different school system, his return to Wissahickon, our group of friends, his art, family. This may be the hardest episode I've done yet just because there's so many things I already know about, but there's a lot of things I'm going to learn that I didn't know. So that'll be in two weeks. Like the Facebook page, WWF NHS. Follow the Instagram page at We Weren't Friends in High School, and I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, George Barreca. Later. <laughs>